I was made aware of this group during the months leading up to Oregon passing its law back in November, uh, 55 to 45% it passed. So that's a good, politically, that's a good solid win. Um, and MAPS was really instrumental in providing uh, brochures, uh, uh, printed materials that could be distributed to potential voters to explain, um, you know, what, what we were trying to do here. And they were successful, got it on the ballot with more than enough uh, signatures, and then eventually got the law passed. His interview, one of the gentlemen from MAPS was with Steve Rogan a couple of weeks ago or last week, whatever. That interview is really worth everybody's time to listen to. It's really well done. I know Stamus has been on uh, Rogan's show several times, and obviously Dennis McKenna as well. So it wasn't uh, something necessarily new for Mr. Rogan, uh, but they certainly somebody that involved uh, at the international level of bringing psychedelic awareness to uh, the masses. So they've been fighting for MDMA. Like the one thing they're really known for is like the MDMA pushing for the PTSD right now. Like mm -hmm. that's been a main thing on this. They're, like I've heard about that for years and it's coming from them. You know what I mean? Um, they've been trying to do trials. They've, they've been on the front to try to do medical research on this stuff for a long time. One other thing too, just want to point, this is a more political or well, judicial, I guess. One of the most conservative members of the U.S. Supreme Court has to be uh, uh, African-American, I'm sorry. Clarence Thomas. Who? Clarence Thomas. Yeah, Clarence Thomas stated yesterday, day before, about federal laws that the... I don't, I don't have the exact quote, but basically the federal laws against marijuana cultivation may not even be necessary or warranted given the legalization that's going on in the state level. I mentioned this on the show months ago. How can you possibly have a system that puts this person in prison for decades and over here you get an award because you grew the most weed? I mean, you can't have that kind of disparity. It's just, it's nonsensical. Shit, man. But at least it's a sign that maybe this thing will get taken apart. I don't think that's good for growers. I think more, we saw that in Oregon, more, comp, more weed grown, the prices dropped. Well, so I, you, I you saw get, that, but how is that? Like, is there a precedence for that type of stuff? Like, I, I, I saw that. So, so how, how, and his logic, Clarence Thomas's logic, how can you have like a law that's just being like disobeyed so openly that it's now not like the federal law isn't relevant? Is he, am I misunderstanding? Is he just calling for the dissolution of, of the whole cannabis as a, a drug qualification? Is that what he's calling for? And I'm just misunderstanding that? No, that's what he's saying is that given uh, the disregard of the federal law at the state level, because we all know it's still a Schedule One uh, listing, and, thanks and to Nixon. Funny yeah. fact on that: so because it's Schedule One, aquaponic facilities cannot get meat processing licenses to kill the fish 
and process them into fillets. We have to send them out to a third party because the meat inspectors cannot set foot in a Schedule One facility. Hey, the guy that did that was my favorite president, the Dixter. Okay, Richard Nixon. 50 years ago, he was going to make America safe from drugs. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it was fun watching him go down in flames like it is the orange hair guy. So uh, I don't know if the orange hair is done yet. I, I hope he is. I don't know, though. That, he seems to come back from the dead every time. And that's it scares me. I don't know, man. There's a lot of pending stuff with him right now. I don't think he can run after it. Oh, yeah, he's got a mountain to climb, but you never know. Yeah. He could, though. He has the money to get out of anything. That's the problem. I never I never he, thought he'd make it. I don't know how people talk about that, man. Seriously. Sure. I just read the other day his aides sought refuge on the second floor of the executive White House wing because they knew he would never climb stairs. I saw he that. It was awesome. Are you fucking serious? And that's the Superman that we want to like. Come, he couldn't fucking elude him by walking up a dangerously dangerous set of no, stairs. Dude, dude can't even go down a ramp. I mean, fuck. And again, our current one can't go upstairs. So maybe we could find less than. God, can we just put like, like, okay, look, can, I, everyone's got wisdom, but for real. Can we, honest to God, have a discussion on maximum age to run a country? Like, yeah, for real. Yeah. I think both England and the United States can agree on that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's fine, too. Like, okay, you can say that any politician is great. Like, you could be just madly in love with Nancy Pelosi. But, like, does she have to run the party for, like, 30 years? Well, like, honestly, we I don't care if she is the best ever, like... Come on, man. That's the problem. We need term limits on the thing. But honest to God, like, like, okay, senators, whatever, that's fine. They need term limits, but I don't care what your age is. That's fine. But to be the leader of the country that has to respond immediately to a nuclear attack and all kinds of other stuff, can we set just like a some kind of like bracket? I have a solution. What, what's Coot's thoughts on this? Because I feel like I'm just... Okay, being... here it is. So we have senators elected by at the state level or statewide elections, I mean, and then the congressman every two years out of your district, right? So here's my idea. If every congressional district community, the citizens of that district in that state bought a residence in Washington, DC and whoever was voted in, that's where they would live. Okay, so they would have no uh, housing expenses It'd be covered by the citizens of Lane County, you know, Oregon or something. Now, when oh. you and you'd be paid uh, whatever the prevailing uh, rate is, uh, pay, income, uh, your payroll, say it's. $15. It isn't, but that's it's usually lower than that. But let's say it's $15. So the most that you would make would be $30 an hour for the time you actually worked. And at the end, if the citizens and you retired, the citizens could vote. And if you did a good job, you got all this extra money. 
your bonus, just like in the real world, you do better than you expected. That would cut out like all the donations. Give them, a, give the investor a place to live. Hell, get them a car and a driver. Fuck, who cares, right? And drive their fat ass around for 10, 20 years. And then you get to vote whether the guy did his job or not. It's got to be better just, than this system. I found out each president gets to like remodel the inside of the whole White House if they want to technically other than like a couple spots i guess and they spend so much money <laughs> i think it's mostly their own money for what it's worth that's not something <laughs> like totally criticized that's just their own whatever you know the thing, what i'd like to see them add to ballots people what's that i'd like to i'd like to see them add skill testing questions to ballots that's it, man. yeah exactly like you have it doesn't have to be that hard it doesn't have to be that hard it just like it's, it's not even know? i'm not even being ageist man holy crap like i've met like uh Dude, I've got 90 year olds that were sharp, but like that guy was not sharp. Like, give me a fucking break. You need to answer some like normal questions. You need to know what day it is. You need to be able to like, if, if someone asked you at a pinch, can you change a tire? Like, I need to watch them change a tire. You could take 15 minutes to do it. That's fine, but you need to be able to do it. Yeah. So I figured, I figured this out in the last election when we had, you know, the uh, Mango Mussolini versus, um, uh, you know, Bore Biden. <laughs> Um, uh, you know what we need to do is, you know, for hockey goalies, they have the whole like slap the color button, right? right. You gotta like <laughs> spawn fast enough. Can we just set like that as like, I don't give a fuck where you are in governance. You gotta do that to like so many buttons. It goes back to Kung Fu. It goes back to Kung Fu. Yeah, I think right? Like, they should have to go Kung Fu fight, like the easiest level of Kung Fu kids at the or, like, local Kung Fu place. Like, so so it used to be legal for politicians to duel with pistols, right? If they're, yeah. they're, the, the, okay. My whole thing is, look, like in other countries, right? If, if, the, if they can't agree to like a, a budget, everyone's fired immediately and they replace everyone, right? In the US, like, why can't we just have like pistol duels? Like we're, we're pro-gun. Get, let, let them have it out. And, and I don't care if it's wax pistols, like no one has to get hurt, but let them have it out. Could they be, I was just going to say, could they be like salt cannons? Well, no, no, no. So wax dueling pistols. Paintball, used to be come on, paintball. No, 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 no. So yeah. in Victorian times, they used to have wax, yeah, basically little candles and they had heavy overcoats and you'd shoot each other with wax and you could have a duel and mouth off to each other and then shoot each other and you get a couple of good welts and that was that. And that, uh, you know, and uh, unless you ended up Bruce Lee style with a blank and, you know, whatever, but shit happens. Out of here, guys. I gotta make some food before it gets too late. Have a good That's night, fine. everyone. You're not gonna duel yeah. anybody smashed? Bre Brendan Lee. Didn't Vladimir Putin duel his way to power? <laughs> I yeah. would try to duel someone. I'm sure guns were involved in a duel. Right? I'm just saying, if these politicians <laughs> exactly. are gonna be. If these politicians are going to refuse to work together, maybe they can thin each other up. I don't know. I, my thing, I'm with you on the age thing. For the longest time, I don't. I've, I've thought that, and that's like no. For the longest time, our president probably couldn't even open a fucking email without their assistance help. No other nation has even remotely close to the average age of the politician that the United States has, and we have to fix that because it's fucking up our economy bad. 
because they simply do not understand how the economics works in the digital age and, and is nothing against them. They are incredibly intelligent people. They have a lot we can learn from them, but they do not understand the current economic situation with the computers just, and how yeah. things have changed in the modern era. Things have changed incredibly fast, even in the last two years. It, it's it's too much too fast and i think that we can no longer leave the you know governance up to these people that are just fucking dinosaurs like for yeah. fuck's sake biden's gonna be changing like so quickly that biden's gonna be in his 80s by the time he's done his second term like what the fuck are we doing this is crazy i don't mean that because to knock people that are older they're extremely wise but like, oh, but I think we need we, younger We've got to fix some shit right now that's beyond the level of understanding in the digital age that someone that's that age can comprehend unless they've been heavily embedded in that industry. And Coop, please tell me I'm a fucking moron. By all means, I, I don't mean this in any disrespect. No, to I, I was gonna say, no, I was going to add, uh, it was Reagan that started this bullshit. I mean, when he was... Uh, Alzheimer's, fuck. Inaugurated, whatever the term is. I was like 72 or something. Um, he clearly was suffering, dealing with uh, Alzheimer's well before he ended his second term. Look um, at all the Jim Crow people that were like completely senile and just racist old cucks that were just railing against black people because their minds were just gone at that point. But they were so old and senile and, and representing, you know, a, a, a vocal minority that they were allowed to stay in power. You well, they I mean? still do, but see, they use better words than uh, the terms that we don't use in, you know, people that have something beyond an eighth grade education. But today we use terms like, well, it's those people. Um, it's uh, the urban population. You know, it's always them. It's There's some way to uh, denigrate and... Can you imagine a world where the Republicans are defending Russia? Like, what the, what, you know, is. Well, you, I mean, when you elect an idiot that says, <laughs> when you elect an idiot who says, uh, if you have money, you can just grab a woman by the pussy. Um, I mean, I mean, what was people expecting? Like, this well, guy was going to receive enlightenment? Anyways, I, we, we could keep railing against the, you know, orange idiot. But I want a guy like Trudeau. In Canada. I want a guy that can explain physics to an audience. I mean, what is Donald Trump going to explain? Well, that was the thing. We used to value, uh, you know, intellectual uh, prowess in politicians, and they now we value, I don't even know what anymore, to be frankly honest with you, but publicity or popularity or... I mean, I feel like... I, I, I'll be frankly honest with you. I'm surprised Kanye West did as bad as he did. I was truly thought he would, he would just do sheer, just like TMZ, you know, will like that, that was going to end up better than it did. You know what? I, I'm truly terrified for the next election. I really am. But at the same time, I'm working on my exit plan. Cause you know what? I give a shit about the U S enough to fight in y'all's wars. I'm the fuck up out of here. Does it come to that? You know what I mean? Like, holy crap. Y'all are destined. I mean, short of the two-party system fractioning in the United States, it's inevitable. Like either there is a civil war, or either their two-party system becomes a multi-party system. It's One of those two. Like, oh no, Steve, you're wrong. It's grim that I'm just like, oh. Uh, but really you, I would love to hear an articulate way to disagree with one of those two. Oh, 
You have to remember that the political party system, the two-party system, as we call it today, is a 20th century phenomenon. If you look at the history of the United States from the civil, excuse me, the uh, Revolutionary War, 17, all that stuff, um, there were many parties. Now, they morphed into in and out of each other. At one time, the party was called the Democrat-Republican, or was it the Republican-Democrat? It doesn't matter. You get the idea. There was the Know-Nothing Party, the first uh, anti-immigrant party. So anti-immigration has been at the, uh, we got here, screw you, you stay out. That's just been part of our makeup. And it has always been against those people, you know, the coloreds, um, indentured servants after the Civil War. That went on until the 60s. You know, sharecroppers, just a nice way of saying indentured servant. Um, There was a man who was married to a folk singer by the name of Joan Baez. And at that time, this was early 70s, and people were going to prison for burning their draft cards. The Vietnam War, it was a really big issue, right? And he was on Dick Cavett one night. His name was David. I don't remember his last name. And we, they were talking exactly what we are now. And he said, well, here's the way I describe it. And this was the best description I've heard, and that was 50 years ago. He said, think of society as a pyramid. And as you move up the pyramid, less and less people are in charge. And their job is basically to shit all over everybody below them. And when you get to the top, you have one stone. He said, you could have Jesus Christ in that. And he'd still be an asshole because it'd be his job to shit all over everybody below in the pyramid. And I would suggest that that's only been accelerated by leaps and bounds since that statement was made. And now it's just an exchange of who's got, who can get the money out of Deutsche Bank or Toyota now. I mean, it, it, they're all there. I mean, like the only way to get money is Zuckerberg for reasons I'm not sure. I guess he doesn't need to. Um, you know, they, his market share went up because he, uh, a, a, a single federal judge blew off the uh, the federal charges against him, dismissed him. So, you know, he went over a trillion dollar market value for Facebook and what WhatsApp and what's the other one he owns? Oh yeah, Instagram. So, you know, you get what you pay for in this world. And if you want a shitty government, you just buy one. I mean, it's that simple. And we bought a shitty one and have been for years. I mean, really, they used to, before Bush became president, the second Bush, the, the old man, they call him Poppy. Okay. In, in the family, he was, that was Poppy. Okay, and so the kid, when he was uh, coming up, uh, governor of Texas or whatever, one of the great writers, Molly Ivins, named him Shrub, uh, Bush Light, um, 
this guy was not an intellectual by any stretch of the imagination. You know, remember when he got on TV and told the American people that he had talked to God and God wanted him to be president? I mean, I had a tear in my eye. Um, Didn't God tell George Bush to go to war in Iraq? That's right. Yeah, God told him everything. God made me do it. Yeah. can Can we officially indict God on false evidence charges? Well, I'm telling you, uh, there's somebody after you. Good. Uh, he, he invoked God and said that you'd have to answer to God. Yeah, it's a little uh, sunshine, uh, the snively kid. Right. Uh, That's between him and his God. I remember him saying that. I was yeah, like, Scotty Granola. I remember I laughed out loud. I was listening for a few minutes and I listened for a I few just, minutes too long. Just, probably. He's I, like, that's between him and his God. I don't understand what his problem just just so people know he he like he was at the very first regenerative organic cannabis cultivation conference and he started spouting just a bunch of garbage nonsense bullshit as he does and was not invited again to additional events and proceeded to throw was like probably the biggest like temper tantrum I've ever seen by someone in our industry about that type of thing and then um, proceeded to try to get the event banned from as many social media platforms as possible. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can ask other people that were involved in that. He, he went far and above, and it was his name that was cited in the reports here because I also helped moderate some of the groups that he was reporting shit on. So, you know, if he wants to run around and talk shit, don't be a little bitch about shit, dude. Like, oh, just let me tell you the other side of it. Just don't be a little cunt about shit. Like, if you're going to come to the table and you want to play with the big dogs, back it up. Otherwise, fuck off, kid. Like, you talk shit on IMO, yet people are carrying viral diseases with it. Dude, you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, dude. Just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. You look like a spoiled child throwing temper tantrums because you're off in fucking left field with your thumb up your own asshole. You got to stop. You just look like a fucking moron. And if you read the comments of any of the videos that you had, you look, you look like a fucking idiot. Because it's two-thirds people just dunking on you. When he first showed up at IG, it was five years ago. And he would make, he, uh, if you, I don't know if you know Tad Hussey. Tad Hussey's father, Leon Hussey, is the one who basically put together Teaming with Microbes. And the majority of photographs in that book are credited to Leon Hussey. As a matter of fact, in the second edition, there was a disagreement between Ingham and uh, Mr. Hussey. So that in the second edition, you'll see in the front page credit to Leon Hussey for the photographs. Okay, so that's uh, the position he held. He long before anyone ever heard of Scotty, Snotty Scotty or whatever his name is. All right, so he comes on there and makes these furious charges about Tad. Okay, so Tad went to his webpage or his, what do you call it, Instagram page or channel, whatever the fuck it's called. And the little prick had banned Tad. So he started talking shit about me, and I just said publicly, who the fuck are you? And then come to find out, he had done one of these shake and bake courses with Ingham, and now he's paid his $10,000 and did his 72 hours riding around in a car <laughs> looking at plants or something. What is with and- that? Him and Leighton both like they think that they're like suddenly experts because they took one class and it's like, dude. Oh yeah, I know. I know. Either one of them, and I challenge 
anyone on the internet, please show me a photo from either one of those two guys' grows. Does not exist on the internet. Oh, Doesn't wait. Exist. Oh, wait, wait. This is better. So I left. I said, you know, I said, screw this shit. Because he was starting all this specious crap, you know, and you get the 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 kids, you know, go study, go study, who've never grown themselves. So about a year ago, a friend contacts me and he says, hey, uh, I got a Patreon account with uh, Scotty. He said, you got to see these pictures. Anyway, he had to chop it down because they were so the plants were so diseased and so stressed he couldn't finish it. And this is the same guy that gets on when he does an interview and says, you know, begs for money, just $2 a month. Now, uh, Hume was kind enough to explain to me that Patreon takes 30%. So if you give somebody $2, they're actually only going to get $1.40 because 60 cents is going to go to the Patreon. That's how they make their money. Okay. You know, that's cool. I mean, you would debase yourself for a dollar forty, really? That kind of sniveling. Um, and then he got pissed at me because, okay, I told Tad about blue mats years ago, and whether blue mats are good or not, that part doesn't matter. So then, all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, Scotty decided he's going to be a blue mat expert now, and so I just made a joke. I thought it was funny. I said, "What did you do? A play date with Tad or something?" And the guy just went fucking ballistic. So it's really interesting. It's really easy to get into his head. As Steve's learned, anything will set him off. He just, any, oh, any, yeah. any, I, went, I went and disagreed with him two weeks ago on Future Cannabis Project. And dude straight up spent 30 minutes talking about me on his show. Oh, dude, yeah. Dude, it's your show. Why are you talking about me? In fact, I would like to personally thank Scott. I've actually gotten 323 new viewers above the average subscription rate for that same time period. So thank you, Scott, for being a piece of garbage. You've, you've helped my channel grow. So to thank you for being wrong. Well, Just, I, I wanted to take the time out and say thank you for that. Hey, there's a, there's a, a Yiddish word that describes a loser, and the word is putz. All right, so it's uh, as far you know, pretty degrading in the Yiddish language thing. Okay, so I told him uh, on a program that he broke into that he should hook up with. Uh, I won't use the guy's name, but anyway, I said you guys could form a company called Nuts and Putts. I guess the big question is who's going to be the putts. And so he and he went off. I mean, just went one of his. Uh, but see, the reason that people like having him on, he's great for uh, clickbait. He'll say something really stupid like, yes, if you add too many microbes, you can have a microbial collapse. And of course, I turned around and said, are you sure you're not talking about prolapse? Uh, like the deal that goes on between the, your ears when you're, you know, your brain shuts down. And so that, and then one time he came on a program and started talking about his goofy avocado tech. And um, like I said, man, can't you do like a mango salsa or a, how about a nice uh, mole sauce? Why does it have to be avocado? I do uh, IMO of abalone poop. Uh, uh, abalone and caviar is my yeah, yeah. IMO. That's what I do. 
so anyway, now he's like become uh, the sales rep for uh, Ingham's uh, classes. Like, and this one, Steve, I didn't realize this till Steve said oh, it a so couple of weeks I, ago. I, oh, okay, full disclosure, since we're going to get into that. Um, Elaine Ingham did come and teach a my, microbial class. We actually did do a microbial aquaponic analysis class, the only one ever done at Ouroboros Farms, which is why I feel that I can qualify to go and argue with Scott because I've taken the exact same training he has with microscope work, except she came to an aquaponics farm and mm -hmm. taught us on it at an actual aquaponics farm in Half Moon Bay, California. She taught a whole week long class there on aquaponics specifically around that topic. The only one she's ever done. Okay, um, have you heard about the, the famous class they conducted out at uh, Ground Up Soil in uh, Oregon? All right, they charged people several thousand dollars. This was Elaine and uh, uh, the Putts. And uh, teaching them that if you have zinc deficiency, that will uh, preclude or whatever, cause problems with assimilation of calcium. And as we all know, we have to be obsessed about calcium. That's kind of written in the uh, handbook of growing dope, isn't it? Uh, obsessed about magnesium and obsessed about calcium. So, and uh, you told me that in all the years, and you, you're international, you've been to Africa. I mean, you've worked around the world. You've encountered uh, a boron deficiency five times. Yeah, in soil, it's super rare. Yeah, in soil, in soil. And so these people were spending thousands and thousands of dollars to learn that you need boron in your soil. In a university setting, that's a lower division, ninth grade, 10th grade. It's not even upper division. I mean, not ninth, but you know what I'm saying, a freshman and sophomore year stuff. And you're charging how many thousands of dollars to tell them to put boron? So what boron, which form are you going to do? But you can't ask those basic, yeah, exactly. You're rolling your eyes. You're right. You can't even ask those basic, basic questions because everything has to be this avocado tech. What is the other stupid shit he does? Uh, he's got some other goofy crap uh, processes. But he gives them he gives them clickbait because they can throw he it out there. Some, he has some new psychosis. I got to even look it up. There was some new stupid shit he said that someone had picked out. That was even stupid. topped even the stupider shit he said before. Hold on. Give me two seconds. I, I read something else in reply to it, and I was like, oh, my God. Hold on. I remember him saying something stupid about vermicompost, about how it was bad for the soil or something. And I was just like, really? Just Every, see, in, in that world, everything is bad except for what he's trying to sell. Was he trying to sell? He's they don't even do talk about uh, compost teas. It's compost extra extracts. The same complaint that all of there us it were is, there it 15 is. years there, ago. This is it. So fading in your plants as they finish is bad. So if your plants change color, that's bad. If they're going to fall colors, you fucked up. That's You did something wrong. If it's black, you fucked up because that's an overexpression of anthocyanin. Like, like Dude has no fucking clue what the flying <laughs> fuck he's talking about at all. I, like even remotely, this is the stupidest. It's like fucking amateur hour, dude. Like no fucking idea what you're talking about. I'd pay money to see his weed, and I, I would actually pay money to smoke it. I wouldn't smoke it for very long, but I'd I'd, I'd like to try. 
I don't think he smokes. I don't think he smokes either. Yeah. No. I think he's an impudent little child whose mommy to get him out of the house, paid for a course, go off and be a, a you know, he could have been a baker maybe or got a job at Dunkin' Donuts, uh, you know, fell in the fryer. <laughs> um, why he decided that he wanted to engage in the cannabis, he knows nothing about it. He knows nothing about agronomy on any level. All he does is ape some stuff that comes out of Ingham's books. And he even gets that confused. Like, how could you make such a stupid comment about vermicompost? Because in their world, I mean, I've heard Ingham say verbatim, and I brought this up on Steve's show the other night to Dutch. I've heard her say, well, rock dust doesn't matter. It's only about microbes. Well, in other words, our microbes doing it with a compost tea. That's the only way. Didn't you know that's the only way you can get microbes in your soil? You didn't know that? Well, yeah. And you got to take a course and you got to do this and you got to do that. And I'm telling, no, you don't. This is why I like the Korean natural farm. All the natural farming people are like, fuck big ag. We're going to war. We're oversourcing all the, re the recipes. And, you know, we're going to make sure everyone has access and, so that if they kill the people that came up with it, even they have it and can keep going on. That's why I like the Korean natural farming movement and all the different mineralization. And this is the part that Scott is in his uneducated morosity um, doesn't understand. Okay. So you have the teachings of Elaine Ingham, which is wonderful. And a lot of the stuff that she says is, is fucking killer. Like without her, we wouldn't have a foundation for a lot of the shit that we argue about now. And a lot of people kind of like, like to nick on her a little bit, but like without her, the foundation that she had to give us about how this shit all at least kind of sort of works, we couldn't even have the stupid arguments that we have now. So like hats off to her for helping like get that foundation set for the rest of us. Right. Cause without that, we wouldn't even have the road to get to the house to argue in. So, uh, uh, and, and all the people before her that helped get us there too. So uh, cool, cool for her on that. But Elaine Ingham's teachings and the whole methodology that her and her camp teaches is the aerobic camp, the highly oxidized camp right so that's half of the coin the other half is on the other side so you can also use anaerobic mineralization ferments such as fpj lactobacillus plant fermentation which you guys have seen me talk about numerous times with blue blue labs and super lab <laughs> and all types of plant hormone isolations using uh, oxidant uh, you know a low oxygen environment isolations with microbes and all kinds of other cool shit that i've been working on um, that's all part of the fermentation side right so there are minerals and plants where if i take it and put it in an, uh, an aerobic environment make a tea out of it it's going to be much less mineral available than if i take it and put it into a ferment and then add that ferment to my system that is aerobic okay I'm not telling you to change the root system to be anaerobic. Like anyone that tells you that's a fucking idiot, right? Like, I think we can all agree across the board. I'll agree with Scott hundred percent on that. You can quote me on it, but aerobic mineralization as a means to get to a salute, a, a serum that has hyper bioavailable nutrients, hundred percent is valid. 
and needs to be taught as part of the wider let's feed the planet type of methodology right like with we need to teach korean natural farming to places like africa and south america if i could run around africa with chris trump for two years we could change the lives of millions of people simply by teaching them how to do basic natural farming technology with sugar rice and 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 a bit a couple of other basic things that would allow people to stop buying expensive fertilizers and mineralize the stuff on property using bioaccumulators and and help fix some of the real fucking problems this planet has and that's some of the potential that some of the technologies that they're developing and him specifically with some of the work that he's working with really has the potential to do that i don't see any of the elaine people doing at all or even being involved in the only the only thing that don't come on here and talk shit about some of the work on, on anaerobic ferments when they're actually going out and making a difference. But aside from that, you're missing half the coin. Like, 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 like let's forget about the politics and, and, and people personalizing it. Yeah, yeah. Like, one Don't. half is aerobic, one half is anaerobic, right? So you can take a plant and ferment it or, 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 or turn it into a tea, and you're going to get two different mineralized um, uh, 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 solutions that have different bioavailable nutrient levels from the same nutrient input source. And I think ultimately what we need to do to make the world a better place and something that I am, am deeply passionate about that we'll be talking about more as we get on later in the year that I haven't really talked about much is trying to crowdsource a lot of this shit, right? Imagine if we could have one universal ever updating document that had the mineral content of every plant and every continent that was reasonable for farmers to use for ferments or teas for bioaccumulation. And we can start harvesting the minerals on our own properties, in our own regions, putting them back into our gardens, using some things as simple as teas and ferments, rather than all the bullshit that we've been forced to buy and improving the plant health and bricks and a terpene and, and, and expression too, so that the plants have better disease resistance, right? And, and mapping that out in a crowdsourced way so that we can all work towards a universal goal of, of trying to achieve that info and then sharing it. We could not only stick a big knife in the back of Monsanto, which I think we can all, would all feel really good about, but also um, make the world a better place and feed a f ever loving fuck ton of people if we started to translate that data into other languages to people that actually could use it. In Africa, I can't begin to tell you how a small, uh, like a couple of weekend classes would change the lives of just thousands of people having been there. Like, like that was the thing, I, one of my biggest takeaways from going to Zimbabwe was like, holy fuck. I gotta get I gotta get back here and find a way to host free seminars for these farmers that I can find a way to pay just so I can teach the guys on the ground. Like fuck everyone else involved. I need to teach those guys. How can I fund and pull off a thing where I can get the farmers to one place and teach them this stuff? Especially when we got into the the pest management with the fermented um, grasshoppers uh, to defend off the the arthropods and things like that that would be game changing to places like that right like it would completely save them all the money that they have because they're spending all their extra cash they have on fertilizer and pest control just to pull off the one crop that they can get a year right like like It'd be so financially game changing for these people that I, I can't begin to explain to you having been to Africa so this is the type of stuff that i'm always thinking about in the back of my head when i'm thinking about okay well is this guy's information valid or not? No. Okay, cool. Well, is it going to like, and, and going all the way down that rabbit hole and explaining where I'm coming from, that's why I like to pick fights with people like him because he's just full of shit and has nothing to back it up. And he's not doing the type of stuff that I am and, and, and doing the type of work that, that I am around the planet. 
not just playing in people's fucking weed gardens, dude. Fuck off. You have to understand. Since the book was published, the teaming with somebody, micro, whatever. Um, the focus has been how to monetize. You know, if you don't have the right, we went through this brewer and then we got the, the Vortex brewer and now we're on the airlift and blah, 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 blah. The problem is asking a simple question like, where's a peer reviewed double blind study? Well, we don't have any. You got to take our word for it. And given the fact, as you well know, there are no standards either at a regulatory or statutory level that defines what compost is, what defines worm castings, nothing. So it's easy to make these specious claims, which is why they've never been proven in any legitimate studies. Do a research on Dr. Linda Chalker Scott, C-H-A-L-K-E-R hyphen Scott, Dr. Linda. She's from the University of Washington, Puyallup. She's made a career for the last 20 something years of shooting down this so-called science. I mean, if somebody's been doing something for 25 years, wouldn't you want to see some work at like Cornell or Clemson or UC Davis? I mean, wouldn't you want to see something like that? If, if all these things were working so well, and all you had to do is take a comp a, one of their compost tea brewers and throw some compost in it and, you know, bubble it out for whatever, you know, what are you doing? Protozoa, you're going to do fungi. Do you want bacteria? You know, uh, did you get the molasses in there? Um, if this is so wonderful, how come governments aren't writing contracts like billion dollar checks? Why do, why do you have to do weed shows? That's my, that's my question. Um, if this is, is so life-changing that we're going to redefine feeding the, the human race just with a compost tea. I mean, on its basis, it's just, it, it makes no sense. It's comical. It's, it's a joke. And you couldn't have a better joke with the ringmaster like this kid. You're only, you're just starting, believe me. He's not going to let go because he's, he's just a little punk. That's and fine. It, I, look, I look forward to his, I'm sure he's going to give a talk again. What is today, Tuesday? I'm sure he's going to give a talk today, and in, I'm sure my name will be mentioned like a little bitch that he is. Well, that's what he does. He's just like, you know, he's like, a, I don't know. He and, he and Instagram are made for each other. I can understand why they were saying that you were heckling in them in the chat. I mean, I remember them saying like, uh, you're harassing them. I and, wasn't. And I wasn't disagreeing with them. I, I, for the record, anyone can go back and watch the live chat. I was disagreeing with him. Less, there was three or four people that were giving him more shit than I was, and he just chose. He just chose to argue with me because I've given him shit in the past, and because I'm actually capable. Scott argues with me because I threaten him. I actually have taken Elaine's classes and I actually can argue with him on a level that's the same as his. That's why he's threatened by me and why he loves to fucking mention me so much on his own shows. No, that's what I was saying. Like, uh, how do I say you live rent free in his head? Otherwise, you're just some opposing voice in the chat. I mean, there's tons of people that oh, come yeah. in the chat that I'm not going to uh, uh, freaking uh, 
I'm not going to chastise them. I'd be doing basically what he does. But there are a couple that show up in the chat and basically are argumentative. And sometimes we just goof off with them. You know what I mean? Like, I think they know that we're just kind of ribbing them back. Uh, but uh, we're not saying, like, I don't say, oh, my God, you're fucking harassing us. Oh, my fucking eyes. Oh, you're here. Blah, blah, blah. I don't even know the dumb shit they were saying. They were saying that you were... Uh, you're trying to derail them i think they said like if, if anyone wants to challenge me on that please go back and go back and look at what i said i was not a pain in the ass i, I disputed just some of the chat. bullshit claims that he had he was making false claims i disputed them that's what he and then linked evidence hey, or cited look, evidence and Steve, then he threw a little temper tantrum that is, is that is his mo going back five years ago that's what he does. He makes these stupid comments. Click Dude, me. He, he got he got he he got asked not to come back from the Regen conference because he was running around telling people to spray compost tea for russet mites. What are oh, you yeah. fucking retarded? Yeah. Well, okay. In the future, go ahead, good sir. For years, they made the claim that compost teas were going to cure or prevent whatever term you want to use powdery mildew. Everything. Yeah. Well, a couple of universities did multi-year testing, like uh, Texas. The big uh, starts with a B. Anyway, seven years, seven years study on compost teas applied as a foliar as a uh, preventative or cure, whatever you wanted, whatever it was against powdery mildew. Couldn't find a single reason after seven years of applying them. But that, I mean, that story goes on and on and on and on and on. And anytime you ask, well, where's the evidence? You get this hysterical histronics about hater and, you know, blah, blah, blah. What I want to, here's the test I want to see. I make a tea, I apply it. Two weeks later, what happened to all the microbes? I, I got you one better. Do you know who Dr. McMurray is? Yes. The salt so, guy. The, the, the original aquaponics guy before doc, uh, Dr. Savadov, before uh, Dr. Rokosi. I'm thinking of another Murray. I apologize. Uh, I'm Dr. Thinking McMurray. The guy with Dr. McMurray is the guy who built the system in Orlando at Epcot. Okay, no, I'm I'm wrong. The Sorry. sand the sand based systems AIVS is the the acronym. Okay, in 34 years of the existence of AIVS, they have never published a single parts per million test across all plant essential nutrients. Now you tell me, if I was an agricultural professor and I was trying to prove the worthiness of my agricultural technique. Wouldn't it behoove you to publish at least one parts per million spectrum analysis? Yeah. In 34 fucking yeah. years? Yeah. Just saying. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Baylor University that did the multi year, the big multi year, where finally Tad Hussey and even Tim Wilson kicking and screaming and yelling publicly came on IC Mag and said that we need to back off the claim about powdery mildew because it, it appears that there's no evidence there. 
but on the rest, I mean, there's never any evidence. That's what I'm like, saying. It was like Scatola Granola's new conspiracy theory about almacites being directly linked to powdery mildew. So you're telling me aquatically favoring fungi like powdery mildew. Really? That's really peculiar because we have evidence that they're in pretty high numbers in every aquaponic system that we've ever tested, yet we don't have these incredible spontaneous powdery mildew outbreaks. Neither do we have these incredible aphid outbreaks from the fact that our nitrogen source is nitrate and not ammonia, which is another, it's, that is one of the things that I would love to sit down. And one of the things what I do have John Kemp on my show, I am very much looking forward to trying to break out the science on that because I want to know why some of the soil Nazis have, and I don't include him on that. I include some of the other people, but the, the soil scientist people that are super hardcore about stuff why they are so hard on about nitrates when we have directly contradicting evidence for anything aquaponics or organic hydroponics because it solely relies on nitrates. Um, I, I don't understand how both of those things can be true unless there is an aquatic micro food web reason, uh, which, yeah. you know, chemistry wise could be, uh, you know, causing a problem or some other, you know, difference in it. But again, I think that those two evidences don't line up and we need to, to discuss that. And I think he's someone that's actually intelligent enough to have that conversation without being a brat about it. Uh, unlike all, most other people that would be capable of having that conversation. Uh, so I'm looking forward to having like a, a super cool conversation with him when I do have him on my show. I mean, can I clarify like this is the uh... Does Scotty think the powdery mildew <coughs> is not caused by powdery mildew fungus or what? No, he's trying to link microbes in the root biome that have absolutely nothing to fucking do with leaf tissue to leaf tissue infection. And there's absolutely no evidence other than the shit in his head that supports it. Yeah, and it's one of the, like it, it's what, one, some of the best evidence for his nonsensical bullshit. You want to, I mean, if you want to see it here, you want to see, I mean, here, I'll, I'll fuck my data. Like, let's just forget about anything that I have to say. Let's just assume that I'm full of shit. Here's a report done by his company on an aquaponic system. I'm a site's present, no PM. Fuck off, kid. Stop making general assumptions. He likes to put pins on the wall and then connect red yarn like Charlie Day and then say that this microbe does this. Dude, like quantum computers don't understand what the flying fuck is happening with in terms of, of like the microbiome in soil right now. Little Scatola has no fucking idea if quantum computers can't figure, not quantum computers, but supercomputers can't figure this out and whole universities can't start to draw some of the same conclusions. You, you can't tell me that you know more than a whole fucking division of, of people studying this at multiple universities in multiple countries. It's just, it's all bullshit, dude. This is why we got to start calling this shit out. And, and the same reason why I did my, my presentation, the Aquaponics Association tonight. The reason why I even did a nutrient presentation, the Aquaponics Association tonight is because we're starting to see heavy metal failures for people, right? We don't need a bunch of bullshit ass regulation and the USDA coming down on us like a hammer because a couple of idiots are acting stupid. Right. So the best way for me as someone that has the knowledge to fix the problem is do a presentation, show people what options they can use 
tell them what the nutrient ranges should be for lettuce production and food production so that they don't make those mistakes and give them the information so that I don't get regulated to death later on. That's the responsible you, way to handle that situation. And that's exactly what I did tonight. You missed his comments about Neem. He said that it was, ready for this one? It was more dangerous than Roundup. More dangerous than Roundup. Also, he also said you got paid by nutrient companies. Would you like to reply to that? God, I wish. I'm just, I'm trying, never mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, listen, once uh, Ingham retires or whatever she's going to do, moves on to other projects or whatever, this guy's fucked 10 ways to Sunday. I mean, all he's got now is. I guess he's like the scout or something for these uh, classes. One of the members, uh, one of the people that's been on this program several times, a really, really nice gentleman, uh, Cascadia. Cascadia and Grown, I think, is his full uh, name to plume. Great dude. He, he started that silly-ass class uh, over there. It's a town called Scio, S-C-I-O. Scio is how it's pronounced. And anyway, so the guy... Um, he goes back to the early 2000 and he was one of the uh, Yahoo trust, uh, not trust fund, but Yahoo IPO babes. So that's where he got his uh, capital and he's done some great things uh, out the farm. So anyway, they did this class and that's where they did the, I don't know, it was several thousand dollars to learn about the link between boron and calcium Uh uptake can you imagine and if you're going to do that fine but be ready to take the heat you know grow up here if you if you're going to stick somebody in the ass man up and be proud of it and but he's like this little snivelly shit that runs around and makes stupid statements about your work or or whomever it doesn't matter don't, i mean don't internalize it because that's what that's all he's got is just to make stupid statements and as long as he's bringing in some students, he's a punk. He's a complete punk. He's one of the worst kind of people you can have in this. You already have, at least here on, on the West Coast, you already have overproduction of bad weed. You could, I mean, we could argue all night long, but there's your problem. Too much, too much bad weed. And now add, let's add drought, water restrictions, it's not, a, and other states go on legal. These guys are fucked. You got to look. We had we had uh, cannabis production in this state, Oregon, for decades, at least going back to the late '60s. You've had black market production, especially down in southern Oregon, because too wet up here in the Portland area. You're done by the middle of October. Get out of the ground. Go home. <clears throat> and when legalization came, the thinking was, and the, the MO, the modus operandi was, if we throw enough money at it, we can make this work. All that fume who was more involved with the people on that level, it didn't work. The prices dropped precipitously. How much? $2,400 when they planted the crop, what'd they get? 500 and less. 
that's not a good return on investment, is it? <laughs> if your business plan says you need 2,400 to make this profit and you get 500, you can't make it up on volume. There's, there's the reality. Or my, my, my suggestion would be grow better weed, probably sell more. But Scotty, you know, Scotty, look, the more people that give Scotty an audience, you already got burned. So you wouldn't invite him back to a, a something you were putting on? Of course not. No, no. Okay. For the record, I invited him on my show to debate the bullshit he was spitting. Right. And I said, look, you want to come on and you want to talk that I'll debate you and we'll talk numbers to numbers and we'll, we'll debate. We'll, we'll talk. We'll like. I don't, I don't want to hear you talk at a wall. Let's talk about science and have someone that can debate you and talk back. Never, he doesn't that's do never that. going to happen. He won't, he, he, he won't do that. In fact, he, he actually asked for, he asked for me to, to say, present your evidence. And I sent back within two minutes, aggressive soil science uh, sample of an aquaponics system for him to post. I specifically chose it because it was done by him. Because it directly contradicted his own bullshit. But Peter wouldn't put it on because Scott wouldn't let him. So he's a coward and he needs to just stop embarrassing himself and just move on. It really is just, it's just embarrassing really for everyone else. Involved. One of those things, it would have been different if the guy hadn't been referring to you basically in the chat. You know, like I could imagine like, okay, why oh, would yeah. you bring up your chart or whatever? That doesn't make any sense. You brought his yeah. own paper yeah. back to him. Like, how well, that, That's that? my whole thing. Like, look, if you're going to be a little bitch and you want to mention me and then you'd be like, well, show me your evidence. And I come back at you with your own evidence. You're at the very least obligated to show it, kid. Come on. Come on, be an adult here. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I didn't even I didn't even move to my own. I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt and used his own data sets. I'm I'm not even trying to be an asshole. You don't have to try. See, that's the you thing though. When people are that full of shit, you don't even have to try. That's my point. <laughs> Cascadia, what's going on? Another guy that doesn't have to try it. Welcome. I just thought I'd hop on and help stir the pot. I was I was <laughs> thinking that Fumi and you you said it, dude. And I, it paddle. <laughs> Pleasure What's to see on, you. Welcome. Hey, What's the how'd you survive the, the freaking heat? Well, I lost a few pounds and a shirt. I still haven't found my shirt, but they finally cooled off, so who cares where it's at? It was rough, man. It was 100 and, 105 in Seattle, but there was parts of Seattle that was like 120, 125 on the, when you get in the concrete. So it was rough, man, but I'm here now. It's okay. I live right at the confluence of two largest rivers in western, northwest uh, Oregon, the Clackamas and the uh, Willamette. And we hit 117 yesterday. I wasn't there because I hit, ran and hid over at the coast, but uh, I was there in spirit. That's insane, 117. It's just... really incredible. You walk out and just this wave of heat hits you. It's absolutely breathtaking. And it's not like uh, today was 94, which you would assume is pretty hot. It's actually unseasonably hot too, but it was completely different. There was wind, 
Like it wasn't oppressively, disgustingly hot. It wasn't like, for example, the dog didn't even want to go outside. Like, like until like 10 o'clock at night, I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Today, it was fine. No problem. Normal this time of year in Portland, uh, your weather pattern is high 70s. Yeah. And so it was almost, uh, let's see, high 70s, 80. It was almost uh, 50, 150% hotter. That's, and can you imagine the crops around here, how they've suffered the, the vineyards? You have tree fruit, you have, well, there's Willamette Valley. This is the agricultural big mecca of uh, Oregon. Second largest industry in the state is agriculture. But yeah, it's, I can't imagine what's going on down south with uh, some, some well, drought they haven't seen in, in decades levels. Last I checked, central Washington's rocking 110 plus for 10 days. Wow. Uh, the city I grew up in yeah, 100, uh, 111 tomorrow, and then 102, 100, 102, 100 through Sunday. Wow. So they adjusted it down a little bit, but still. For June, end of June, beginning of July, it's ridiculous. Yep. That's, that's it, like August weather. And then when you look at some of the water shortages down south, the southern Oregon, where the cannabis production is focus-centered, um, and all the competing industries there, agriculture, the uh, fishing on the rogue rivers and, you know, what have you. There's a lot of demands for that water. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't look pretty. And this isn't a one-year deal. This, this drought's going to go on for several years. We've not been good stewards of the resources. I think that's fair. I mean, why would you grow potatoes in an area that doesn't have water? Right. Right. I mean, come on. Almonds <laughs> in California? Fuck, I love almonds, but in California? Jesus Christ, what a dumb place to grow them. Too much water, man. Well, I'm not sure that uh, pears down on the southern Oregon is a good use. Of, I'm not, they've been there for, since the 30s, so you're not going to... Don't be stupid and go badmouth the pear industry if you're trying to fight for your water. You see what I mean? I think some people in the cannabis and hemp sector need to learn a little more perspective about how politics, it's called real politic. You have industries here that have been established for almost 100 years or sometimes more than 100 years. You can't just go in there and say, well, no, we're, we're more important than that. Well, there's a political reality there. They've been funding this clown for, you know, you get the idea. You pay, you get to play. That's how it works. So I'm not sure how. And then you have also the problem with the illegal farms. I mean, you have cartel operations that, in Southern Oregon, meaning that there is no revenue being drawn. You just had a, a bunch of busts with the, the Chinese cartels uh, doing a bunch of human trafficking and a, basically a bunch of what amounts to slave labor. Uh, there yep. was like 15 different busts across the state in the last two weeks that were all basically, you know, Asian slave labor. I ain't, I ain't shitting on people from that part of the world, but it does seem to be a chronic problem in this part of the country, at least in Oklahoma. There's well, a lot of you know, Chinese, hey, Steve, the history, you know, if you, go, if you look at it. Again, I'm not, I'm not shitting on anybody for where they come from. That, no, no. that It's just been the source of the arrests lately. <laughs> 
And no, I'm, I'm just, what I was going to point out, though, is that the uh, use of uh, indentured servants to build the West, that's how the railroads were built. Well, OK, I got you on better in that regard. So I was just over in Zimbabwe in 2019, early 2020. Uh, I did not know that the vast majority of Chinese like so I was in Jamaica and they had the Chinese construction with the freeways and stuff there. And that was OK. But that was all just um, uh, normal, like people from China being hired for it. In Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. it was all prisoners. It was prison oh, yeah. camps. And there were people being held against their will that were had been basically the dissidents that were teaching other people how to act out were all sent out of country so that they didn't continue to teach people bad ideas uh, and then sent out to prison labor camps in Africa, places like Zimbabwe and yeah. other parts of the world where they can just hide Chinese dissidents. Uh, and then they're forced into these prison labor camps where they're forced into these construction programs that the governments agreed to be a part of. That's why they're able to save so much money. With all, and a lot of people don't even know that that's real, but you know, there's dudes with AK-47s and guard towers. The construction site it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out what's going on. Right. Is Zimbabwe connected to the new Silk Road that China was trying to build? I don't know how successful they were because then they're I went. They're trying to, but like, I'll be frank with you. I don't think Africa is going to tolerate their shit anywhere near as much as other parts of the world. Right. Africa has been attempted to be exploited too many times right. and they can see it on the wall and they're like, cool, we can get them to pay for all this shit and then we're going to stick a knife on their back and tell them to get fucked and there's not really shit they can do about it. And you kind of already see it happening in Africa already, especially with them pulling back finances during COVID. They're kind of already doing that. And like, what is China going to do about it? Cut off their funds? Oh, right. yeah, that's going to hurt an African country. You're threatening them with nothing. Go. That, that's fucking great. They're just going to go back to the UN and the United States and be like, hey, we need money because our people are starving, and they'll get it. Like, they don't care. Right. Like, these governments aren't reliant on China in any way. That, that's the thing I think that's like probably the biggest thing that's going to save Africa from the Chinese influence is that they don't need them. Like, they, they're, they're happy to tell them to get fucked and take someone else's money pretty quick, whereas other parts of the world are less likely to do so. And I think that that's one of the things that's going to kind of help insulate them from some of the more fucked up influence. Uh, Kut, uh, cameraman, cheers, cameraman, by the way, uh, is asking uh, IPM. I think uh, he wants to know what your IPM is. Oh, well, it's not popular. So, um, yeah, I uh, regularly use neem oil, emulsified, um, but I use the uh, virgin stuff for first pressing. So, not good enough for the, the mean girls. Do you still rotate essential oils? Yeah, I still, because um, this isn't a plug, just is when you go and look at a product like, say, Ladybug or something like that, um, look at the label. It's usually going to have uh, 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 rosemary if it's a pesticide and thymol if it's a fungicide. SDS has uh, their product. Uh, Sierra or SNS, Sierra Natural Science, something like that. And they have two products. Cost about $40 a gallon by the, not to buy the product. I have the goddamn after the mix, $40. So I can get it from the same source they do. Uh, Liberty Naturals. They sell, you know, stuff from all around the world. The beauty of it is they offer you the COA uh, certificate of analysis. 
and uh, you know, so anyway, so they're here right here in the town I live in. They're domiciled on a hundred acre lavender farm, which is how I got interested in using lavender a few years ago and went into that rabbit hole. You think cannabis people are weird? Go check out a lavender event. You have lavender farms up in Washington like we do, um, some big ones. And um, what I learned was that there's two kinds of lavender or two like sativa and indica. Uh, okay, one of them is what they call medical. And that one has extremely high levels of camphor, but almost no linalool. Whereas the culinary ones, the one that smells like your grandma's house, those have uh, the linalool, which is what you want, you know, you want. But anyway, so, but it's a camper. And so anyway, I, and using their research at their website for their different oils that they sell, and they sell them in small amounts. And, and you go all the way up to gallons if you want. So for a guy like Steve, that's working on a much bigger scale, this, and he wanted, say, uh, lemongrass because of this, uh, was it Citron that's in lemongrass? Well, I, I did want to also mention too, there's a lot of products that people claim need to be in really extreme levels that, especially in the microbial levels, I found some products that told me I needed to dose it like one to two ounces, you know, per, mm. per gallon even, uh, that we were dosing it like a quarter gallon to half a gallon per 10,000 gallons and seeing you know, pretty large differences in the health of the system simply by seeding the microbes. So I think that like in some cases, especially on the type of system that you have, if you are helping maintain those microbial levels, simply even seeding some of these microbes you know, well below the recommended dosing levels will have an enormous beneficial impact on the system. I, yeah, I, I agree completely. And, I, and when I make, uh... I was buying the oils and emulsifying them with, uh, you know, the usual materials. And I found that uh, when I was using, it, having the COA was important because you knew exactly what level of uh, a purification, not purification, but uh, reduction, what percentage you're actually working with. So, um, but you know, a list uh, probably over 200 different uh, plant extracts gives you, like you were talking about, phyto uh, uh, technologies. You know, you can get sink your teeth into stuff. You know, if you want to check out camphor, if you want to check out thymol, you want to check out whatever, and then backtrack it and see if it's something. You, in your case, you would know more about growing it then turning it into an extract using ferments or not, I'm probably using the wrong word there but be able to take that plant material and ferment it and then put it in a form that you already have experience with that it would make sense that's all and the other hand is I'm not going to be able to grow lemongrass in Portland Oregon so you know <laughs> whether weather wise I mean probably in Oklahoma you'd be fine growing lemongrass you know, I've grown lemongrass in Half Moon Bay, California, believe it or not. And where? Even in, in the Bay Area, believe it or not. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying because of the uh, here. It's too hot here? Oh, no, I'm saying you do well in 
uh, I'm saying in Oregon. I'm sorry, my, my connection's been a little bit. Oh, we're, it's too wet here. Oh, it's more. It's, it's yeah. I mean, like Thailand is. Uh, it, it grows like well, like a weed, and it's used in almost every dish I've ever seen. A recipe on a Thai cuisine has lemongrass in it. But there's some really uh, the stuff they do those candles with the insect repellent stuff. Such that compound comes is found in lemongrass so that might be something you could experiment i'm just saying we did, uh, we did a bunch of growing with lemongrass interspersed with our garlic to help fend off the root aphid or not the root aphids but the the garlic aphids and the brassica aphids we used to intersperse the lemongrass with the kale and the uh, garlic right. the right. i was working with so let me get this straight i want to make sure i understood this um scotty boy said what about ferments? Are still talking about this fucking idiot? I feel no, like no, I mean the broad mites, or the uh, russet mites. A tea was going to kill oh, Yes, that was the first thing. That was the first stupid thing I ever heard him say was, uh, was oh, that okay. compost okay. tea cures russet mites, which has absolutely no fucking base in science. In fact, no, no. Uh, labs, the acidity of labs is, is low enough to dissolve their exoskeleton actually would be a more effective treatment than a uh, if we really want to go apples to apples, a ferment would actually work better. So what I discovered about <laughs> what I discovered about Mr. Scotty is this: that if you're doing something that I, is helping, why why are we wasting time on that idiot? We should talk about stuff. Oh, because he's going to be back. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, the guy's been in five years and he pissed off everybody. You know, even the people that had helped Ingham get that thing going well like, my my whole thing is is that he kind of degrades the legitimacy of the actual work that elaine did and whether or not people agree with elaine's work she's done a lot uh, she's spent more time under a microscope looking at soil samples than probably any other human being that i am ever have met and and she really knows what the fuck she's talking about in terms of iding stuff and, and if you ever have a weird microbe a question She's definitely a good person to reach out to, and her her microscope analysis class definitely is 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 beneficial. But at the same time, there's a lot of free resources out there now that are are you know similar in quality. But she really was ahead of her time when she was was leading the way. And you know, while I know a lot of people don't like her, she certainly helped get us to where we are today. And and I think we shouldn't forget that at least. But there was another lady that coined the term. Um, or person that acquired the term um, soil food web before her, wasn't it? I think you mentioned it. Uh, or was it someone else that was talking about that? It what? Who was it that talked about soil food web before her? It was another person that worked with her right when she was getting established. Oh, I don't know. I, I know that uh, the uh, Lubke uh, out of uh, Austria were direct uh, students of Rudolf Steiner of the uh, uh, biodynamic uh, method Demeter uh, certification. And they, uh, they used to meet, they used to have meetings up at the, um, uh, hold on, I'll think of it, Applejacks in uh, 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 San Mateo County uh, uh, and all that stuff. Um, I used to talk about that. I'll give you a number, a number that'll kind of bring it home. Oregon has the largest amount of 
certified organic farmland of any state per capita, okay? And as far as new farmland coming online, the overwhelming majority is of farmland coming online is certified organic, okay? So all I'm trying to explain is that, and this is where the organic movement in the United States started in 1972, before there was a USDA NOP. Uh, there was Oregon Tilth, OTCO, Oregon Tilth Certified Organic. Now, they, so all I'm trying to explain is that there's a lot of organic support. There's a lot of support for organic production here in this state. The headquarters of Demeter USA, there's also a Demeter Oregon, but the Demeter USA uh, or the organ, uh, organization has less than 100 members. Now think about that for a minute. You've got tens of tens of thousands in, of acres of certified organic, and yet you can only rustle up 80 people that come sign up for the Demeter thing, you know, uh, burying the horn with the yarrow flowers for a month and, you know, under the moonlight. I mean, really? It's a little hard to take. You know, it was interesting. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine who um, does a lot of uh, hemp growing at a large scale, and he's talking about working with a company to satellite analysis now. And mm -hmm. he was surprised about um, how much the overlay of um, the uh, uh, moon cycle was with this data that he was getting and how he kind of was like, you know, he's, he thinks the whole moon thing is, you know, a bunch of bullshit, but he was like, ah, fucking data. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, here, here's my problem with, with uh, biodynamic because it's kind of use an old English expression in for a penny in for a pound. Okay, so let's say that a person would go, okay, the moon thing I got, I got that one, no, that's okay. But the menstrual blood, now that one's a bit, that's over the top for me. Every, every, everyone that's ever told me that was a Humboldt honey. Some girl in Arcata or Eureka that was trying to like find her way onto a farm. Yeah. And that was her way to try and impress the dudes was to tell me that and when she met me in a bar that she was putting her menstrual blood in her plants. And I'm like, that's cool. Do you know what oxidation is? Yeah. Like, you know, let, let's just, let's just put, yeah, let's just put aside the whole like grossness and like sanitary part of this. Your, your blood, if it's red. Okay. What does that mean? What is the red iron oxide? Right. Right. That means it's in an FE three form. What do plants use? an Fe2 form. Okay, well, there you go. So so even yeah. if you want to like put the rest of it aside, like chemistry wise, it still don't check out. No, no. And uh, okay, here's the one I don't get. I understand the basis. In fact, I told uh, Randy at uh, Malibu Compost, they, their product is certified Demeter. Uh, biodynamic okay so the, the the very core of the belief system is that a farm is an ecosystem which uh, everyone agree with that i think 
unless you work for a nutrient company. Um, and so everything would stay on the farm. So your manure that your livestock produced would be used to make compost. And then that in turn would be applied to the, to the farm. So follow. So you wouldn't set it up to make compost to sell as a business enterprise. Does that make sense? I mean, that's the, that's the basic operating philosophy. Okay, so what I want to know is that one of the, and each country has their own Demeter operation. And so in the United States, you have a USA Demeter, and then some, not all, states have. So here in Oregon, we have the Oregon Demeter Group, and then you have the National USA Demeter Group here. Well, India has one of the largest Demeter organizations in the world, literally. And kind of what the work in terms of impact that your work uh, with ferments could do for uh, developing con uh, continents, in your case, uh, Africa, for example. Okay, fair enough. So why is it that in India, Demeter, neem is considered to be almost a holy plant and is used at every level of agriculture and livestock maintenance as far as disease control and all these other things. How does that work? But then a Demeter group over here that we're all going to burn in hell if we use it? I mean, doesn't that seem a little odd? It does to me. Where's the continuity? Or is it just how can I make a buck by saying I'm this when I'm really not? And we'll call it Demeter. That's my objection to the, the whole biodynamic thing is it's presented in, there you go. I think I've seen this somewhere. Is this the study, study that you're gonna reference, the Duke University study? Because I, I, I wanted to bring this up because A, I think it's an amazing resource, but I also think a lot of the data on this table is really off from what we've observed in the real world. I know, I know my, the, what I had, I, I now I'm thinking about something else. And now I got my eyes closer. No, that isn't. Okay. So for those of you that don't know, um, there's an amazing uh, dynamic accumulator and nutrient content list put up by Duke university. Um, this is also on build a soil is build a soil or soil. One of those websites, I think it's build a soil. I'm pretty sure. Um, also has this on the website, but you can go through nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, so on and so forth. But what's cool is, uh, let's just look at potassium. You can see, you know, stem content versus shoots versus plant versus fruit versus leaves versus the pith. Versus Are you talking about Jeremy Silva build a soil? That's how I found this list initially. I'm pretty sure I could tell you where all this data and all these numbers came from. And it ain't from yeah, anybody right you mentioned yet. From it came from Duke University. This is the original source of it. It's from from this. Yeah, Dr. Duke. Dr. Oh, yeah. Okay, Dr. I know that. James Duke. Yeah, that's the real. Right. Part. Now, Duke, I found him when he was still teaching. And um, what's interesting is that this, he was part, there's a, a, a group within the USDA that let's say your state produces, okay, Washington would be a, a great example. 
Washington's the largest uh, apple producer in North America. Um, it's a huge uh, commodity for the state of Washington. So if you went to, I don't know which university it would be, but one of the state universities would have an agricultural school. And at that agricultural school would be a specialist from USDA who would be domiciled at the school, but didn't teach there. Does that make my sense? My understanding is that the data for that was crowdsourced from university data. Is that incorrect? No, it's not my understanding. Yeah, because here, here it is. Here's the data re references. Yeah, here it is. Ethnopharmachemical ethnodatabase references. So here's the. So, actual you could look, so you could, like, okay, for example, look up aloe vera on that list and then look at salicylic acid and you'll see the levels uh, that that plant produces. Now, every plant produces salicylic acid. Is that, is that the Duke I'm familiar with? So you go to uh, aloe vera, the plant, and then it would have the major compounds and the percentage or parts per million. Is it, I'm having trouble seeing this because I'm looking at it on a, a laptop. Very good. That's my misunderstanding on that. Uh, what, what was the sear silicone? Uh, saying red oak and then uh what is this for fruit it's saying um beans right Cucumber and then also uh what's that ohio football team oh the buckeyes so for leaves it's saying uh stinging really high in this i'm sorry sapin it's not not so it happens yeah, so stinging nettle, and this this right. is one of the, the things I, I like to reference when I'm talking about this, really is one of the best ferments that you can use for your garden. It truly is one of the the highest bio, total bioaccumulators across the board for just general, you know, if you want a 20, 20, 20 kind of thing for it's, your garden that's organic, that's really kind of the- It's the one of the best. It's not an equivalent 20, 20, 20, but it is a very good broad spectrum uh, and that it's same one of the best nutritive herbs hands down for human health or plant health. That was one of the things my herbalism degree banged into my head was stinging nettle, stinging nettle, stinging nettle. I mean, if you go uh, to uh, look up France and nettle uh, um, festivals for reasons that are too involved to explain here, but in the middle of the 19th century, England went with comfrey and France went with nettle. And so to this day, they have nettle festivals where a whole bunch of different uh, nettle wine. There's nettle, uh, I've had nettle pizza, which was really weird. Um, but anyway, so look it up, uh, the festivals in, in France. I, I don't speak French, but I did, I could give you the name of the deal. But anyway, it's their regional uh, nettle festivals. One of the other ones I wanted to highlight here too is dandelions, dandelions. Mm -hmm extremely high across the board as well as other, dandelion. nutritive i could probably tell you to look into stinging nettle alfalfa red clover dandelion elecampane um burdock they're all human nutritive herbs they're all high in nutritional value so they're all going to register high on the same scale we're trying to use to figure out how to feed plants plants i mean it's the same game, those, all those plants for sure. 
even though doctor even though he retired i'm glad to see that his work has been memorialized and kept available on the web because that's a, an important uh body of work it's called the agriculture assistant something this program that usda has where they send to your agricultural school in, in the case of washington probably apples um, in Oregon, because we have so much horticulture that we actually have a separate school. There's a school of agriculture and there's a school of horticulture. And so USDA assigned uh, a gentleman who spent 30, yeah, 30 years at the University of Oregon studying horticulture and uh, came up with some really unique, not unique, but interesting uh, data. For example, high doses of uh, phosphorus, whether it's organic or not, it really decimates the mycorrhizal uh, colonies. So the reason that a lot of growers use mycorrhizal, right, is to increase the uh, or facilitate the uptake of phosphorus. However, it's a two-edged sword. You use too much phosphorus, and you've completely uh, negated the benefit. That's why it's not a good idea to learn dosing from a, a guy that works in a grow store. Want to say, oh no, you need this phosphorus. That's one of the what? things that I really take take issue with in aquaponics is aquaponics is not aqu aquaculture plus hydroponics. It's living aquatic soil. It's a completely wrong way to explain it when people talk about aquaculture plus hydroponics. So that that link I sent you. And then you post it into the chat there, Steve, is uh, the actual database link. The reason I shared that is because it's searchable for more than just what you find on the tabs of the Build a Soil spreadsheet. Uh, you can search for individual constituents like salicylic acid we were talking about just a minute ago. You can type in salicylic acid and that will show you um, what's relevant. I can't remember who was the top of the chart here. I didn't even see aloe on there, but I think it's because it wasn't researched. Um, but top of the chart was licorice root. Okay. Or slippery, uh, slippery elm root, slippery yeah. elm bark. But licorice roots 567 parts per million and then the next highest is 35 so it's it's a decent source for salicylic acid it was from uh that database right there that uh i got the numbers on the uh oh, soap nut out of india it's 250,000 parts per million of uh saponins i mean 25 percent of the whole that's a lot. <laughs> That's a high level of uh, saponins. And the fact that you can reuse the seeds after you let them dry in between uses, you can get six to eight uses out of your initial purchase. And there's a, uh, there's a real good large body of work out of uh, India and China on the effectiveness of using uh, saponins as 
both pesticide as well as fungicide. So, but what I always find interesting is that a guy like the guy we're not going to mention his name, they'll find some study from three hoots in a coot, you know, somewhere in outer Mongolia that uh, the guy sprayed it on his plant, he stubbed his toe. So therefore using saponins will cause foot damage, you know, and uh, applying it or whatever, some silly ass. Uh, One thing I do want to say about saponins, don't use them if they're going to run off into any aquatic environment. If they will run off into fish, they will kill fish at extremely low levels. Oh yeah, I believe that. If there's any chance of that getting into a water, a body of water that contains fish or other living aquatic organisms, please use it discretionarily. Yeah, yucca was actually used for fishing by the indigenous. They would, mm -hmm. soak, they would soak the roots in the stream upstream, let the saponins run down and the fish would, the fish would just float to the top and then just scoop them up. What they would do is they'd take the yucca root, they'd press it with big rocks and squeeze the juice out. They'd collect the juice and concentrate it into clay vessels and then evaporate it off to make a concentrate. Then they'd pour that concentrate into the river uh, with the rest of the tribe downstream about half a mile to a mile. And it would allow all the fish to float to the surface and they could just net them off the surface pretty easily. And check your product, check the uh, species of yucca because what you might get in certain parts of the United States would be what is grown and you find in Mexico and the America Southwest. Some of the commercial yucca products come from India and uh, China. So again, we're back to looking at your sources as a, a way of uh, quantifying or qualifying things you might want to are not using your garden. Another one of the sources, at least when I was playing in my lab classes during my bachelor's degree was um, for saponins was horse chestnuts. But yes, we were always taught to be hesitant because we were being taught from a human health perspective how to use these herbs and horse chestnuts sure. in, in too high of, or too frequent can cause health complications. So. I'm still trying to understand how horse chestnut fits into feeding plants as opposed to feeding people, but um, it's definitely high in saponins. It's up there with, with yucca. Yeah, the other ones that I found were, uh, like I said, buckeye. Uh, that, uh, I guess it's the shell, because in the case of the, now, uh, what do you call it? The uh, soap nuts, that's a generic term. There's plants called soap nuts in various locations around the, the world. The wreathen nuts that you find in India were also moved probably by the Portuguese because they moved plants all over the world for several centuries. In Florida, they have a soap nut tree and it is the one from India, whatever the botanical name is I have in front of me. So, um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, the one we were learning about was Aesculus hippocastinum. Was the the horse chestnut that we use mm -hmm. medicinally. I didn't realize that Buckeyes was another name 
for horse chestnuts. Oh, it is. Oh, I, uh, pardon me. I didn't know that either. I, yeah, I didn't see it till uh, I was looking at this wiki page that you were sharing. Yeah, now I can see it. European horse chestnut. Yeah. Well. Yeah, hippocastum is the one that we use medicinally. So is that is it that brackets around the seed? Is that where you're finding the highest uh, concentration? It's in the. I do believe it's in the seed itself. Okay, that makes sense. Just for a point of reference, no soap product is naturally foam. You have to add a saponin to it. So everything that you use in your house and every day, your toothpaste, your shampoo, your body soap, your dish soap, your laundry soap, all have saponins uh, added to that to the formula to make them foam. So it, it would make sense that it would kill fish. Definitely. Completely. Pretty cool from a medicinal side there. If you mean, if you, oh, it's cool. But um, we were taught to make a topical oil with, uh, scroll up just a little bit to the cult, I think it was cultivation or medicin medicinal uses there. Um, the Asin, Essen, you make a, a oil infusion and then you would use that, or it would frequently be used on um, people's lower legs when they, when they, their ankles swell, when they, they don't have the vascular, um, right. shit, what's the word? Not tension. They wouldn't, their vasculature can't pump the blood against the flow of gravity to get it back to their heart. Right. They would, horse chestnut oil was one of the things you used to help tighten the vascular system to increase blood flow to return it to the heart so that your ankles don't swell, your legs don't swell. And so how would that... Would, on the expense. Is that something that you would ingest? Or it was a topical. A topical? Topical, okay. Topical. Because, yeah, it's, I, I do believe it's actually poisonous to ingest. Okay. I remember right. You know what I mean, uh, Wes Engine? Uh, what is old is new again. Uh, they could have used horse chestnut oil in the expanse when they don't have gravity and they need to pump the oil or the uh, blood back into their body. Maybe that would have yep. the blood, maybe. Are we still maybe. talking? Maybe shit? they needed an herbalist in space, man. What the fuck? Are we still talking shit? Should I keep going? Uh, yeah, this is this is the work of my biggest critic, which is symbiotic aquaponics. They took over a grow <laughs> that people have seen videos of. This is the results of not dosing your fucking nutrients based on your water tests and simply relying on fish waste, as you can see, had destructive results. Here's some other amazing bullshit from that camp. Hold on. Wait till you see this one. You ready? This is even better. How about a failed heavy metal test at four times the legal limit for Oklahoma? Again, per their advice, how to fail a heavy metals test at four times the heavy metal limit for arsenic of all things. Just saying, it's two parts per million. They failed at 0.809. 
I mean, would you ever eat food from a chef that didn't eat food themselves? Like, I don't know, you, you fuck, I don't know, that no. chef is like on a, an exclusive this, no food diet. I don't have time to eat my own food. I only eat McDonald's. The scary part is, is that there, people don't do this type of testing for produce. This is only done for cannabis. So you have no fucking idea if your stuff is high in heavy metals. Let me tell you how, let me tell you how it works in agriculture. So let's say Steve is uh, the shipping manager for ABC Apples. And I'm running a produce distribution operation. So I buy from Steve and I sell to customers. And there's a lot of of rules about when Steve gets paid, once he delivers it, unless we have made agreement, he has has to get paid right there. Collect on delivery, COD. Okay, so the apple load comes in and I have my inspectors pop open some cases to check things. And uh, something doesn't look right, so we call for a Fed, a federal inspection. And USDA sends out a federal inspector and they inspect the, the product and then they give it an evaluation. That's the first time anything is inspected. And that's only if I, the customer, call for a federal. Otherwise, it's out of the field, into the cooling water, the hydro bath. What does that mean? Well, hydro water, so probably a water bath. But anyway, to take the field heat off, because you can't pack hot vegetables in a box with ice. It's kind of, you know what I mean? Kind of counterproductive. So shippers can hide a lot of problems by putting ice on it on those commodities that take ice like your broccoli and you know that kind of stuff you don't put it on apples and oranges of course but anyway uh, what i want to point out is that the only time there's a federal inspection on that produce is if i call for it otherwise it goes out to my trucks and it goes to a grocery store and it ends up on the rack and there you go good system huh i got a simple question earlier today uh how do i find organic weed and i i actually didn't have a good answer for them i mean i know that there are some quote-unquote organic weed places uh I, I told her i was gonna ask my friends about uh any places you can they go had, sir, if they had... i was like i i don't i don't i don't know i don't really know i don't really know i don't have an there answer. isn't there isn't because look if you're gonna if you're gonna label something organic, you only have X number of, of organizations that can certify anything. Omri cannot certify anything. Omri's a listing agency. So there's no such thing as an Omri certification. There's an Omri listing. That was my first thought. Clean green, um, uh, dem pure, what was the other one? Um, yeah, regenerative. They have no, they have no legal standing. Hold um, on, hold on, hold on. Since we're on this topic, I just, there's a tar and feathering. I just, I have to do because it's just too much bullshit. It's just, it's, it's, it's offensively fucking stupid. Okay. So, please, someone fucking tell me who the fuck on this, someone on the screen, 
You tell me if any of the people on this screen have grown a plant in the last five years. Probably not. Okay. Please tell me what the name of the conference that they're hosting is. I don't know. Yeah, fancy CEO festival. The Regenerative Cannabis Live Conference. Okay. Okay, let's just talk about how fucking stupid this is. Regenerative Cannabis Conference Speaker. Chief Growth Officer. Regenerative Cannabis Conference Speaker. CEO. Regenerative Cannabis Conference Speaker. Senator. Regenerative Conference Conference Speaker. President of Cannabis. Doing good. That's not even a real fucking job. Um, President Steve D'Angelo. At least he's done something, right? We won't even go after him. Um, he did fund the whole effort to attack uh, regenerative. In fact, you know what? Let's go back to Steve D'Angelo. His financing is the reason why people were able to stack two B licenses in California. Just saying. So if anyone has no fucking right to put his name on regenerative cannabis, anything, it's that man. All right. So let's keep going. Um, <laughs> VP of corporate social responsibility. Please tell me what she has to do with regenerative anything. Director of strategic initiatives, regenerative nothing. Director of sustainability, regenerative nothing. Founder of port whatever the fuck. Portfolio, like for fuck's sake. Founder of portfolio manager. Who are these people? What the fuck? Really? <laughs> really? Why would you even hear them talk? Best, I mean, okay, okay. The one person who has grown a plant in the last 12 months, Mr. Doug Fine. Derek Young, managing director. Uh, whoever the fuck she is, cannabis marketing lead. Whoever the fuck this idiot is, president and founder. Great job. Uh, uh, law firm. Okay. All right. Great. So you, you know how to litigate. Get the nope. fuck out of here. Nope. Founder and CEO of whatever the fuck that is. Not relevant. Founder and CEO. Okay, not relevant. Don't know how to farm. Founder and CEO. Director of industrial related trade organizations. CEO and founder. Again, nothing. Senator of fucking Mexico. Senator, uh, chief strategy officer. Okay, this is fucking insulting to everyone that's put effort into the regenerative community. All the different circles that make up the regenerative, that you have Earth, Sun, Moon, and Dem Pure, and Clean Green, and all the different camps that generally don't get along too great. This is offensive to literally everyone. <laughs> CEO and founder of some fucking company no one's ever heard of. Chief financial officer of some fucking company no one's ever heard of. Director of science of fuck all nothing. Again, this is a pump and dump bullshit designed for people that have no fucking idea what they're talking about. And they even include below life below water as part of the sustainable development goals. Please tell me who the flying fuck on this list is remotely qualified to speak on that. Okay, let's go to the next one. Poverty. Really? The fuck does that have to do with? Okay, we'll move on. Zero hunger. Weed? Okay, what, what am I missing here? Cardio health. 
quality education, gender equality. Regenerative farming is social equity stuff? Really? When did I miss a memo or something? Like this is tech bro bullshit (laughs) rebranded as fucking garbage. Like there's absolutely nothing of any quality. Uh, This is just there. This is like a Seinfeld episode, except it says shittier writing, right? Like, like, like this is like a rejected Seinfeld episode written by someone that has brain trauma. Okay. In, in, in uh, soil, especially potting soils, any, and even fertilizers, they use a trick uh, that the slang term or jargon is um, label building. So the more crap you can put on a label, it makes your product look more professional. That makes sense, even though, well, that part doesn't matter. Um, So in these kinds of organization presentations, they do kind of a reverse thing of letterhead building. The more names they can get on that letterhead with some spurious title, then it sounds better. And so, yeah, like the amalgamated toy workers of. Well, my my port my point is is that the corporate horrors are coming for us now. Oh, I know. And the, these 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 fucking. Wait, what do you? But well, wait a minute. Spent millions no, of dollars. Look, okay, maybe not in Oklahoma. The they want to come play pretend now. They want to come play in our fucking pen. Get fucked. That's I know. what I have to say. About I don't. That. I can't speak to Oklahoma because I, wanna, I, I don't. Call, what, what, what's uh, what's the guy? Uh, it's on the Capitals. Uh, the the he's, he scores a bajillion goals. Uh, he's kind of an asshole. Um, play for the Capitals. Uh, Ovechkin. Yes. To quote Ovechkin, get fucked. I can't speak to Oklahoma, but what I can speak to are the two states that I know intimately on how the laws got passed. And the people who were going to benefit from the laws on legalization wrote the laws, handed it through their representatives to the members of the legislature in Washington and Oregon, and they got exactly what they wanted. Right, Fume? That's the way it worked. And the little guy got fucked. And what they did, they threw a bone to the masses. Oh, here, you can grow four plants. Now in Washington, they took away their their medical rights, completely decimated the medical uh, marijuana program in the state of Washington. Why? Because, well, they can just go buy it at the dispensary. So we got to where we're at because we as a voting community failed to have our representatives pass laws that were going to benefit the greatest number of people. Nobody needs an acre of weed for recreational pot when you could have had 10 people getting, see what I mean, 4,000. I mean, that would have spread the wealth. It's kind of one of those things, be careful what you wish for. Legalization was dangled out like a carrot. This is all related when you when you dismiss antitrust lawsuits against companies like this and you basically stack licenses and allow the, the largest players to take over. I think it's all related. Without being too specific, I think it's only fair to point out that a lot of the people that our community tends to prop up 
aren't really much better than all the people Steve was just talking about. Not, they're not. When I they're, look at the when I look at the speaker list on these silly ass uh, Canacon and Weedcon, I know a lot of them, and I'm thinking you should be taking notes, not giving lectures. All right, this this should be learning time for you. Can I, can I can I just say one thing here, just on this note? And and Cascadian, have have you been to one of the regenerative conferences that the Dutch Booms has thrown? Or who who here? Before I I say this, who on this panel has been to one of the the Dutch Bloom and Kingdom Aquaponics conferences that has been thrown? I was in school. I I had my head in textbooks till two okay. years ago. So no, so, I haven't. Okay, I just want to say, so I was a speaker at the very first one that was thrown. And I've been a speaker at all of them except for the ones last year. I learned more as a speaker in the very first one that they threw than in the first five years of going to conferences combined. They did an incredibly good job of curating and a, a very good job of, of an extremely diverse range of organic and knowledgeable speakers that even if I disagreed with them, at least in, you know, had a decent idea of what they're talking about or had a lot of evidence and observational evidence to back up the stuff that they're talking about. Even if I disagree with them, at least they could explain to me why, right? Like, like it's perfectly fine if we disagree, as long as you can tell me why. And that the people that can't are the people that I like to pick a fight with because I know they can't. Same thing with Coot, right? I'm sure that Coot, and, and everyone knows that me and Coot love to pick fights with people that are full of shit. But if you can prove to me why you think that and the science behind how you got there, I respect you a thousand percent, even if I don't agree with you. Because you can at least tell me how you got there, right? And, and the observational uh, processes you did to get there, right? Like, explain to me why it is that you think X plus Y equals Z, right? Like, like that's a pretty simple thing, right? It's the people that can't do that type of basic stuff that I, I like to get into it with. And I will go out of my way to push their buttons because it's entertaining to me. And also it helps, like, to be frank with you, it helps my views. There, there's no negative to it. If someone's full of shit and I can call them out on it and it helps my views, what reason do I have not to? Let's just be honest doesn't hurt me any, you know, I don't make money or lose money off of it. I don't have any financial interest in it. I don't God, you sound like me. I, I, I put out a, a, an educational show. I, I love to help participate in Fumi's show. I, 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 to me, hanging out on this show is, is mental brain food. Like I, I love coming on here because it's stimulating to me in a way that other parts of my life are not right. Like, and Fumi's show is a little more relaxed than my show. On my show, I'm very curated. I try to be more strict about the, the data that's coming through and some of the other stuff. And I try to be more, you know, on point with stuff. Whereas this show is more of like hanging out in a bar kind of bullshit. And they're like, it's a different vibe. It's a different focus on the show. Right. So it's kind of fun. But um, uh, that type of stuff is like a, a, a different kind of um, a vibe on that but it's it's when people can't back it up with actual science and all that kind of stuff that, it, that it, it's an issue i forget how we got there i kind of lost my train of thought there through that because i was kind of compliment the show more it's always nice but, uh, but yeah no I, I love the show and um i definitely uh <laughs> enjoy coming on it's a place where i can kind of be a little more relaxed than my own show i guess uh, for i wanted uh, i wanted to point out something about uh 
build a soil if you go to his uh, youtube channel and look at his videos he's been hard at work for the last several months putting up some really solid uh, videos how to's for the personal grower he's not you know trying to do 4000 plants or whatever um but for the person wanting to learn he's got some really good uh solid not a lot of opinion and i'm pretty what do you call it critical um but anyway it's a, it's a good uh, uh venue for people to learn and without the uh the hook of the uh, fertilizer sales rep uh, uh deal Speaking of which, if you're looking to learn more about Korean natural farming, Chris Trump has an amazing class coming up in September. I will be there both filming and providing elevated uh, beverages. I enjoy. Yeah, I got to. I got to say, I really enjoyed talking with uh, Mr. Trump. Um, you come out, man. You you should come out and hang out. Yeah, I, we should have our new house by then, man. You can come stay at my guest room. Yeah, I I really um, look. I want to be. I heard some of the conversation between Fume and uh, my good friend uh, Charles from West Coast Horticulture. Um, and so I'll restate it. I, you know, I, I mean this in the kindest, meanest way I can. I couldn't give a fuck less about commercial growers. If you said to me, well, you know, 10,000 are going to go out of business next week. The biggest reason you get out of me is, yeah. That's a real shame. Um, it's like when I go buy my food, I want to buy it from a grower at the farmer's market. I want to talk to him. Uh, what what variety of, of this thing am I buying? What is it? How did you grow it? I'm not going to get that at, at uh, uh, Albertsons or Fred Myers or wherever, right? And so what I think and believe sincerely having watched it on a personal level is that the legalization wasn't a two-edged sword. It was a death knell to quality cannabis, at least in two States. I can't speak about the rest of the country, but I can speak to Washington and Oregon and guys, you're not doing a good job. So go find a new line of work, go back to selling insurance or use cars and let people who give a shit about plants grow the weed. Because the people they hired, these these investors, it's like, what? No experience whatsoever, and you're expecting fantastic results. So I just I, I literally am going through this right now. I'm I'm currently helping write SOPs for a farm right now that had someone that had never grown a plant before six months ago. That is the head of their farm. Uh, absolutely, production manager. Got to give them the right name, production manager. Or I'm sorry. Production yeah, yeah. technician. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first job I got called on. And uh, it was actually Tad Hussey. I, I honest to God question, why? what is it about agriculture or plants? Like, I, I've noticed with aquaponics too, you wouldn't become a surgeon or a doctor or, no. or a car repairman. Like, uh, uh, what, what's the name of them? Um, there's a name for them. On, automotive yeah. technician. Yeah, yeah. Or mechanic, whatever, but a uh, or blacksmith or a baker or like. But any dickhead to have, to have a, a background in that, right? Like at least to a no. minimal extent. Not in agriculture, fuck it, man. I can quit my fucking banking job and I'm a weed grower now, man. Like you don't no, even no. know. 
Like no, that. that's, no, you don't have to do that, Steve. You just got to say, I'm a consultant. I'm a cannabis consultant. Based yeah, on what? I am what? a cannabis consultant. So <laughs> yeah, because, because mommy let you grow three plants in the garage before she kicked you out. You know, it's time to leave the my, nest. My, my favorite is, and I, I, I went through this last year. I had someone argue with me who had grown no more than four tenths before. Okay. And wanted to argue with me about how to manage five acres. And it was like, dude, I just came back from managing 750 in Zimbabwe. Why are you arguing with me right now? Hey, Honest hey. question. Hugh met me one day with my wife over at the Costco. And we were talking back and forth with Hume and uh, my wife, Patty. And Patty said, yeah, I remember when we had 400 plants. Well, 400 plants would have put us about 30 years in prison at that point in time, like uh, 79, 80. So I don't really want to hear about, well, I, I did eight plants in a tent and they came off really well. Again, you should be taking notes, not giving lectures, you know. It's, it's kind of mind-blowing for me. I've got, uh, we'll call it eight years of experience growing cannabis. I've got 10 years before that growing plants. I just, <laughs> I just graduated from a, a bachelor's, a science-based bachelor's degree. And I can't, for the life of me, get a job in the cannabis industry in Washington. Like, you know why? Because degrees mean nothing in our industry. It, 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 the only people that have experience, we're doing a black market. Ain't nobody with a degree knows a damn thing about weed. I ain't saying that you don't. You clearly do. I've watched, honest to God, you give amazing uh, uh, presentations. I think you did one on the Home Growers podcast, or what was the one you did the other day on genetics or something? It was fucking great. I chimed in about halfway through it. it was fucking killer, man. Like props off to you and hats off to you for the amazing work that you do for putting presentations. I want to give. I want to give Cascadia. You put the effort into it. I want to give Cascadian two compliments. The first one was his explanation about the reduction. I'm, I'm, mis, I'm going to misword this, so he'll, he'll correct me. But basically, how do we get here? Well, through this weird breeding that you've done, you've reduced the number of expressions to this. So from here, you went to this. That one, I went, yeah, there you go. And I can tell you when it happened, too, as far as the, the time period. And the other thing that uh, he said uh, that really like, wow, yeah, that's so spot on was he gave a, a on a show I watched him. He was doing um, the discussion was uh, my favorite one to be little, not the way he presented it, but the way it's usually presented, which was a genetic drift. Now, the way that Cascadian described it is exactly what happened. However, in the weed world, that term is used to you need to buy my seeds because your genetics have weakened because you've been growing the plant too long and i would remind everybody that the haas avocado which is the most popular avocado scotty can, can confirm this uh the most popular uh avocado is the haas and that started from a single tree in la habra and every haas tree around the world can be directly linked back to that tree. So it finally Worms died love out. the Haas av avocado. Worms love the Haas. I bet they do. And the Fuertes, they might like the Fuertes or the uh, any, uh, bacon, you know, okay. Anyway, so, uh, but my point is that um, 
Bacon is a, is on the periodic table. If you don't actually provide enough lubrication, your arteries don't actually flow right. It kind of reminds me of that joke if Russia attacked Turkey from the rear, would Greece help? But anyway, um, when, when you got a guy that ripped me off and he's out there selling anal lube, anal lube, glycerin, and people are paying $250 a gallon, you know what? They deserve it. They deserve to get, if you're that stupid to buy into that line of crap, you deserve everything that life has to throw at you. And where I come from in this, I never okay. wanted to be, I never wanted to be a big time. I was a big time grower. It was a pain in the ass. You're dealing with, with pricks. You're dealing with can, gang, real gangsters, not candy ass clowns that go to, you know, Canacon and give stupid speeches about something they don't know anything about. I mean, As today with, with the scumbags that you'd have to be involved with to be in the quote unquote cannabis trade, why would you want to do that? Speaking of scumbags, as a polyamorous man who loves women of all ages, um, <laughs> lube is actually very good for women that are, you know, post 35 and going through some shit. I understand uh, that, but I'm not sure that I want to spray it on my plants. On your plants, no, but on your woman, absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but no, this, this piece of uh, excrement sells anal lube okay and calls it okay, you'll love this he's got a, a leaf tonic and a soil tonic i mean is that groovy i mean is that like the grooviest thing you ever heard leaf is tonic like huh is that like a euphemism or what no i just think it, it's a pathetic it's a it's a pathetic reach to make a living you know at some point in your life you know when you retire or you get close to retiring, you have an opportunity to look back on what you've accomplished or haven't accomplished. And if the best you can come up with is that I took glycerin, which is a byproduct from uh, converting uh, soybeans to uh, fuel, one of the byproducts is glycerin. So it ain't expensive, brother. I mean, you know what you can get even the good shit for? Like $15 a gallon and you can sell it for $225 or 255 excuse me that's going to be yeah that's going to be your the the uh what your legend i greased them up allegedly that. allegedly allegedly yeah that was a joke so. i know I, what's that joke uh okay if you know if you ever read anything about the english channel the swimmers, when it first started getting going about a hundred years ago, they would cover their bodies with grease so that it would keep the chill off as they swam across the channel. And so, uh, I know I can't do that. I can't do that. Never mind. Are we going to Greece and swim the English Channel? No, the other kind of grease, baby. Get it? Anyway, so that's how the uh, it's a, a comedy routine that Cheech and Chong did, you know. Are we going to Greece and swim the English Channel? But <laughs> when you have to explain a joke, it's pretty rough. So move on. I think I'm the only one on the panel that got it, but it's okay. Okay, well, Hume was on a program, uh, another program, and Tad Hussey was on there, mm -hmm. and I didn't know he was going to be. Not, I mean, oh, I, I've, been, yeah. I I've known Tad forever, you know. 
uh, when he was his when he was new, you know, on the boards. And um, I mean, I used to like go after him on these compost tea things. Where's your science, man? So I, I got a question for you. So traditionally it's taught that like it's not so much the bacteria and the fungi that provide the nutrients, but the things that feed on them. So the protists and the amoebas and the things like that. So I know, yeah. what are your thoughts on like protozoa tea? Because I've seen pretty good results on that. Yeah, okay. I, that I was hear, I would love to hear your just like opinion on that because protists oh, sure. Grass collection and things like no, that. No, and that, for that those that's the, a good. For those of you that don't know, generally you do like a, a grass clippings collection, or a, a new growth collection, or something that grows rapidly in a, in a and just taking growth tips mainly, um, and then um, uh, clipping them off and then using those as a, a three to four day tea depending on temperature, uh, and, and aerating that and then okay. providing let that me, as me. a way to grow uh, protozoa rapidly out and and then provide it to feed upon your uh, compost tea or fungi. So I, I'd love to hear for the okay. people that don't know what, what I'm talking about. I just want to give a, a quick rundown. Um, that's what I'm talking about. So okay. I'd love to hear your, your uh, uh, opinion on it because um, I know you're not the biggest fan of compost tea, but I, I was kind of curious on your thoughts on like how that phototrophic layer uh, breakdown goes and, and what your opinion is as far as feeding up maybe further up the food chain, if you had a different opinion on that, or if you thought that was kind of you know, equally is uh, on the same level as compost tea. Here's why I got conflicted on the whole tea deal. So the book was written and published, uh, Teaming with Microbes, everybody bought it, uh, blah, blah, blah. All right, so one of the big proponents of it, but was not in the same loop was Tim Wilson, also known as Microbe Man. And he basically was there to debunk, it was complicated. The conflict was with uh, Ingham's office at Earth, Earth uh, Fort, as it was called then, Earth Fortification. For those of you who know, uh, this is his website that he's talking about. Right. Now what, now what Tim- If you're Tim, looking for like a, a base, uh, how to ID shit under your microscope, it's not a, not a bad resource at all for that. No, I mean, and so um, I got to know these guys really well, Tim and uh, Tim Wilson and uh, Tad Hussey, and they took a different approach, but here was their shtick. And I, so this is not me. I don't know, don't care. But if you wanted to get a fungal tea, you did this. And if you wanted a bacteria tea, you did that. And the protozoa that you want specifically, you ask about, that's why I was interested in what you were saying. Their thing was, that you ran the tea for, I could be wrong on the number of hours, but I believe it was 24 or maybe 30 hours and that that would give you a, a protozoa dominant tea. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, but that was the science that they were presenting. Yep. Does that make sense? Give me two seconds, I'll pull up more info on that. Okay. See, like you laughed about killing the russet mites. That's where I was at with the with the powdery mildew. Because I said to myself, these guys have never grown. All right. Well, as far as powdery mildew goes, I've never seen anything have the instant response that lactobacillus has. Right. Um, the second best response I've ever seen was bacillus pomilus with a product called Sonata. 
Uh, the third best response I've ever seen in terms of instant response is a product called Cease, which is Vitilis subtilis. The nice thing about Cease is it doesn't smell like a high school men's locker room. Uh, the way that, um, uh, what's the other one? Serenade. Serenade smells like uh, a 16 year old boy's locker room, um, per, you know, at foot level. Um, uh, whereas a, uh, a cease, it doesn't smell pleasant, but it certainly doesn't smell like a bunch of teenage okay. boys. Steve, were you around about 10 years ago when a product called Green Cure hit this, this scene? And Green Cure was simply potassium so uh, potassium bicarbonate with uh, some kind of surfactant, which I assume was probably yucca. Okay, what's interesting about potassium bicarbonate, if you went into a bakery, breads that aren't made with yeast are called quick breads, and those are made with using a chemical to get the leavening, usually sodium bicarbonate, right? Same with cookies. You can get the same results and do get the same results using potassium bicarbonate. So that way the bakery can put low sodium on that particular so is, uh, commodity. This is the exact recipe for the protostate. Just, uh, just so that we can reference okay. exactly what we're talking about. Well, yours makes more sense. Um, but anyway, so this green cure is a product that you can get through any food service supply house or any bakery supply house. And it's about $14 for 50 pounds for a commercial bag, right? But when they put it in a plastic container and put green cure on it, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and put it in gross stores, it was $30 for a half pound. So I decided this could be fun. Just like pull the covers off. You don't need to spend this. As a matter of fact, I called up the, the papers, excuse me, uh, found the site published by USDA. Horticulture farmers or growers have been using bicarbonate of uh, sodium bicarbonate for 100 years here in Oregon. Now, it doesn't cure mold, but it arrests it, stops it. So now you can start your, you know, you get the idea. Okay, so you could use baking soda, which the last time I checked was 15 pounds at uh, Walmart was $7 or $8. It's a lot better than $30 for a half pound of fucking potassium bicarbonate. And so that was just the first one that I decided to, what do you call it? Uh, just take the covers off. You guys are, you know, you're getting screwed. Oh no, that stuff works. That, that you know, that that is the most pitiful wine I've ever heard. Well, you know, it's always worked for me. <laughs> what does that mean? This is what your third grow and your fourth plant. I mean, come on. I'm like you. When I, when I saw the pictures from uh, Dickhead's uh, garden that failed and he had to chop them down, and he still published them on Patreon. How stupid are you? And then he wondered why he lost a bunch of donations. I mean, if I was if I was giving some clown $2 a month to teach me how to grow carrots and all my carrots came up black, I'd probably get a new, you know, agenda or some, some kind of new program to learn this. Maybe like a, a college class or something, you know. Go to Carrot U. One time, one time Tad called me 
and he said could you go and help these folks out because um they're anyway blah 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 so i went out to their uh and this was one of those legal grows you know look like you were going to prison barbed wire concertina wire you know got get checked in with the camera and i thought oh this is fun that's what i thought of you know when i think about woodstock this is what i pictured it'd be like i'd walk into a concrete bunker and uh, anyway these plants were i've seen mold but i've never seen mold like this it was on the ceiling it was on the walls it looked like christmas trees that had been flocked you know uh to get them ready for sale so i think you should bring levity to these situations and they said well what do you think we should do i said well how many employees you got 15 huh well i would go over here to this place on 82nd and uh dayton street here in portland and it's an army a military surplus and i'd buy as many machetes as you need to give each person one of them come back and take this fucker down and then have it professionally sterilized and later Ted coming goes that was your that was the best you could come up with i said it's the only thing that made any sense I mean, you can't fix something that screwed up. It's like having your car towed because it doesn't have tires or transmission to get a tune-up. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. More accurately, in that kind of circumstance, I'm visualizing, but you know, you, you told me that story, I think, before, maybe in a little bit more detail. I, I think that, um, how do I put this? You, you caught the grow at a point where it was not salvageable, but the- No, it wasn't, no. The no. owners didn't want to agree with that. They basically no. thought that they were going to lose a ton of money and they, they thought, hey, we can claw something back. The reality is at that point, the only thing that there is to do is to sterilize everything and move forward. Otherwise, what you're doing is basically you already fucked up the transmission and the engine in the car. Now you're basically just like you all you also uh, drove the tires until they were bald. You're basically scraping metal. Uh, you're also, I don't know, you're so low, you're hitting the axle on every goddamn bump. You're basically trashing everything there is left to trash on the car and uh, for no point. Maybe that was a bad analogy now that I think about it. No, but, but see, the other thing is that um, I don't care enough. I mean, you got yourself in this situation, however you did it. And I don't really care about a recitation of the long, sad story about you know, how you got to become a cannabis grower when you're not. Um, you just decided one day that's what you're going to do and you got some money and, you know, so, hey, have at it. You know, go have what, fun. What's with all these recent experts that actually don't have any pictures of buds they've grown? I mean, people have, seen me walk they, through, people have seen me walk through facilities I was actively managing and shown both veg and flower rooms on site, as well as my personal grows at a couple of facilities. Oh. I haven't seen half of these people do even a tenth of that. You well, don't have to be some gigantic photo nerd. I'm into so you know photography, and I edit my photos on Capture One, and I can tell you about this lens and that lens, and I can tell you what an anamorphic lens is. You don't have to know any of that shit. Uh, noob, he may still not be in the chat right now. Maybe he's hopped off into the bed. The dude has still like an older iPhone than I did. He takes wonderful pictures because the bud he grows, big shocker, is wonderful. Like that's the secret. Everyone, oh, you can Photoshop. No, you can't Photoshop that. If it's a wonderful bud, you can take a good photo of it. If it's a shitty bud, you can't really take a good photo of a shitty bud, man. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. He takes wonderful fucking photos because the bud is great. 
Zoso, the same thing. He actually takes, he's really got a fucking eye. He's really developing his eye for like depth of field and everything else. He still starts with wonderful goddamn bud. Wouldn't you know it? It happens to be the secret. You first have to grow good cannabis, then you can take good pictures of it. Anyway. And I, used to put up, I started putting up pictures on my Instagram account several years ago or four years, not several, four years ago. And they were the ones grown in um, thousand, or 800 gallon pots. So that's four yards of soil, two pallets, if you will. And um, so I sent, and one of them was legitimately dried, cured, snipped and all that shit. It was over 10 pounds of uh, a plant. So I sent a picture to a tech because I was like, you know, like Raz and Ted, you know, hey, Cupcake, when you get as good as me, you can do this. And you know what his answer was when he looked at the picture, he sent it back. He said, well, there's certainly a lot of uh, biomass on that. Doesn't that take a long time to trim? And I said, hey, listen, Ted, that's kind of the point. I mean, that's what your goal is. What? No, I want to get a, a plant that you know, I, I mean, isn't that the idea is to get like, like big, massive amounts of bud? It's amazing anyway. how many times people are somehow eluded by that. But I mean, again, it's like a chef that doesn't eat or a chef that only eats a different kind of food. Like you're at a Chinese restaurant, but that chef only eats Mexican food or something. Like they wouldn't even know what the dishes taste like. They wouldn't know if they're wrong. They don't know if they're off. They don't know if they're edible. They don't know anything like what, I wouldn't trust somebody that won't eat that fucking food. I wouldn't trust that person. About six months after the legal thing got started here, the phone started ringing. And so these grows were like into the thing, like the second or third month and things weren't, it didn't look like that in High Times Magazine. And um, you go out and you look at these plants and like, what did you do? And uh, I just finally, you know, cut it off. I mean, I don't need to drive 40 miles one way to tell you that you're an idiot. Uh, the classic <laughs> one is, okay, this was like, I think I told this before, but it was the second or third week in September and I get called out to a farm, 65 acres. So they got the room, they got, you know, outbuildings like, I mean, they were set up. They paid cash for it too for the land in the house and uh, the barns and outbuildings and all this other bullshit. So they take me to a hoop house and this was their test one before they get ready to really go now. And we're in the third week or second week of September and I walk into this hoop house and the plants were as green as a Christmas tree. He said, what do you think? I said, well, I think you're fucked. What do you mean? I said, they're all green. Well, aren't they supposed to be? And I said, I pulled out my cell phone. I go, not on September 20th, no. You got another month before you got to be out of the field. You don't have a single flower in this entire hoop house. Well, maybe we use too much nitrogen. Excuse me? Yep. <laughs> So there you go, man. It's just like excess nitrogen can delay flowering or, or 
greatly, greatly increased flowering times. You I'm sorry. Part? I, mis I misrepresented what I saw. What I meant to say was it didn't slow it down. It completely arrested it. Oh, it it'll do like, that too. And it extremely yeah, I mean, stop yeah. flowering completely. Oh, yeah. I've seen that as well. He's also the guy who said to me, well, not to worry. We've got two and a half million dollars line of credit. And I said, yeah, you're going to need it. Uh, I mean, and then as, as the season, that season, that first year, then the fire started. So now you had smoke damage. So that dropped the price, right? Oh, and then uh, the same people that won't pay for SOPs either. Keep going. Oh, yeah. 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 But they'll listen, they'll listen to some clown on. Oh, they'll, follow, they'll follow 12 different YouTubers in 12 different days, but they won't buy a fucking SOP. They'll get them on the right, right. track. Got it. Happens a lot. It just seems made up when you hear these stories. Like you hear these stories of people who have these multi-million dollar lines of credit and they're burning through it. And Dude, I went to a see pictures of it and it just looks like a fucking monkey threw it together like on purpose. And then you hear about people who want to get into the cannabis, cannabis industry but cannot. It's baffling to me. Go ahead. Dude, a, guy like Cascadian, a guy like Cascadian would be of benefit to any farm I've ever been on. And I will tell you that I've never been on a single farm where there was one single person that had a clue on which side of the mountain the sun came up. Just the dumbest bullshit. And it's all like out this gross store shit. Or, well, I heard somebody said, that's immediate to me. I just tune out. I'm done. Have a nice day. I didn't come out here to you know, have you tell me about what you believe. I don't care what you believe. Tell me what you know. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. I don't give a fuck what your plant religion is or what other bullshit. And this was part of my talk tonight. You have to harvest stuff and it has to meet the financial limits that you have set out for the company to succeed or not. Right. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's organic or not. As long as your flavonoids are in range, your terpenes, your cannabinoids. You're, you have a clean product that has no heavy metals, that isn't in excess nutrients where it tastes like shit. And, you know, it has to match that same flavor profile that any other, you know, set of, of standards has. Um, but if you meet all those guidelines, people don't give a fuck if it's organic or not. They'll buy it, right? As long as the COAs come out right, as long as it's clean, as long as it tastes good, and the, the terpene levels are high and the cannabinoid levels are high, they don't care. And same thing with, with, with lettuce and all that, right? As long as the flavor is there and the price point's there, and as long as you can achieve harvest and pull off IPM uh, that's, you know, ethical. And now I'm personally trying to use all the cannabis restrictions that I'm using as the basis for all of the aquaponic restrictions that I'm proposing, proposing not restrictions, but whitelisting. So uh, as a way to try and head off some of the regulations that we're looking at potentially for aquaponics, we're trying to whitelist both inputs and pesticides. We're not saying that other ones are not allowed, but we're saying that we've had a wide range of experts, you know, across multiple universities and uh, ex, you know, backgrounds all evaluate this wide range of things and all agree that these are all a good set of things that, you know, these all check out okay. Now, we might add things every year to that list or subtract one or two things. But we can all agree that this is kind of a general best practices that we can all use. If you pick from this list, 
you're probably not and, and follow the the use as directed guidelines you're probably not going to have any type of regulatory pushback in terms of uh, doing something wrong and there has been no type of um you know regulatory uh, uh, i like to call them bumper rails I like to think of it like bowling right when you're a little mm -hmm. kid you put the bumpers out right, right. When, when, when an industry is new, you got to give them some bumpers, right? So if we don't have to tell them that like they're going to be punished because they follow certain things. But what we can do to make sure that these guys do it right is here. Here's the list of shit you can pick from. And everything on this list has been pre-approved as good. It doesn't mean that you can't find something else that's new or maybe hasn't been exposed to that group that isn't good, that perfectly meets those guidelines as long as the final testing comes out okay. But here's a list of things that at least we all know and can agree upon and then cross-reference and kind of peer review as a group uh, collectively across all the different minds and um, motivations that we have as a group, uh, both university and private sector, uh, to, to, to move in the same direction towards uh, uh, kind of a guidelines that we can help use for pushing uh, to free information as well. Like ultimately, I'd love to see a lot of the stuff that we're doing in the United States kind of lead the way towards pushing for regulations in other countries and then also towards putting out into the FAO. You know, uh, uh, a lot of the FAO uh, document on aquaponics is some of the best information you can get out there on how to build your own home system. It's put out there free for people that are in, you know, third world countries on how to basically take a bunch of scrap stuff laying around and build an aquaponics system uh, using a couple of, you know, fairly easily resource um, resources. So um, it really is kind of an interesting uh, document and, and a wonderful group that helps uh, supply a lot of free resources for agricultural farmers around the world and translate a lot of those resources into many different languages, depending on people's localized regions. So they are a great group to support as well. So um, they, they do a lot of work with aquaponics specifically. And I think that um, they're another group that I, 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 I'd love to see, uh, you know, eventually be uh, more integrated. And I think that there needs to be kind of this marriage of the cannabis knowledge and the um, wider kind of free agriculture knowledge. Like there's a lot of alignment with the um, free knowledge of cannabis uh, uh, and how to grow cannabis and pest management and all that stuff and how people feel like that should be free information. And then with the people that feel like we should feed the world, right? A lot of those people have very similar life alignments and beliefs in the world. Uh, regardless of their religion or background, like like for, forget all that stuff. We all, we all agree on that, right? I don't care what your background is. We all agree that we want to see the world be better by the time we, we leave this one, right? So, and we want to make an impact that can help magnify that and help feed more people and provide more medicine for people and, and help more people have more wonderful experiences in the time that they have here. And at the end of the day, I think that's what all of us are moving towards. And if we can help provide unique medicines for people that are suffering from fucked up diseases and all this other stuff with the awesome knowledge and the passion that so many people have for breeding and, and growing this plant and all the like, I mean, all of us have our own circles that are so freaking passionate about this single plant. We can use it to, to, to magnify so much good. We need to figure out how to do that, but put it out in a way that's kind of a open source and out there. That's why I love to do the podcast every week and put out as much free information as I can. We do have the formatted information for classes if you want to take kind of a start to finish kind of thing, but you will learn a, 
you know, the vast majority of the stuff that's in my class, if you watch all 250 episodes of the podcast, but it's, uh, you know, 800 hours versus a more condensed form, right? So that's where I think that, you know, a lot of these people that, that are doing that are kind of taking that same model. You see Chris Trump doing the same kind of thing where he puts out the vast majority of his info for free, but if you want to take an intensive, you know, two or three day class or five day class now with his film stuff, um, you can take that and have a more in-depth understanding, but at the same time, if you just want to kind of, you know, get it to work and help get that out into open source uh, kind of uh, setting, he's doing that too. And that's the same kind of passion that I have and the same kind of alignment that I have. One of the things, and we were talking earlier about people leaving this world, one of the things that really shook me was hanging out with Dennis Barone in the last two years of his life and realizing that like the knowledge and a lot of us, if we don't get it written down and out of our out of here and onto here, it's gone forever, right? That can't happen because that means our ideas and our passions are dead with us and fuck all of that shit, right? And it's one of the things that I learned from him speaking to him and talking to him in, his, in the last few days was how much he did with documenting the last, you know, and trying to be involved in a lot of documentaries about his work and trying to help author a lot of that stuff, even if he couldn't do it directly, having someone that can help communicate it for him and a lot of the other stuff like that. And one of the things I highly respected about, you know, being around him in his orbit on this on his last days. And um, you, you guys have had Wayne Justman on the show. Um, I was the one that helped get him on the show. I'm, I'm personal friends with his with this whole clan. Um, I, I'm, I, I, you know, uh, just a wonderful group uh, of people that have changed so many people's lives for the better and are enormous, um, you know, role models for all of us in the cannabis community. I, I, without them, we wouldn't be even having this podcast right now. Without Dennis, there is no Fumador in the flavors. There is no Potent Ponics at all. There is no Coots Mix. It just, it, maybe there was Coot Mix, but there certainly as fuck wouldn't be this fucking podcast. That's for damn sure. Because he's the one who got the ball rolling. He's the one who passed, you know, Prop P and then, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, um, what was it, uh, uh, 215 and everything else. So um, uh, anyways, I won't go into all that, but um, without them, we wouldn't even be doing this. So that's, that's where we, you know, I don't even know. Sorry. What's ironic is that I never gave that silly ass uh, soil mix, the name Coots Mix. That was done by a reader. And uh, first when a friend of mine was the uh, head honcho over at uh, Grass City, who after about a year said to me, don't you have somewhere else to play? He said, do you know how much cleaning up of the forums I have to do after you come through and, you know, bitch slap? This, you know, there was, was kind of get, was getting going about, the, you know, all this. At first, it was the first one was if you were a complete dickhead, if you didn't use and buy the whole goddamn line now. Fox Farm. Okay. So then we moved on, to, you know, you get the idea. So I've watched this thing kind of develop over the last 12 years, 13 years. And uh, so I used to like to fuck with people. I go, well, here's the Coots uh, Fix-It Mix, you know, alfalfa and kelp, bubble it out for 24 hours and apply it to your plants. Hell, even one of the uh, folks on this program, Smash Cannabis, tried it. Well, this stuff really works. Yeah. Well, isn't that amazing? 
you know, uh, you don't have to get a bottle of uh, Canadian butt hairs and, you know, resolved and broken down by who flung dung and, uh, you know, apply it to your plants. So here's some basic uh, botany. My complaint is this, that this legalization thing here in Oregon has turned people believing that this is about chemistry and it isn't. It's about botany and biology. We have a role, of course it does, that's absurd, but it certainly doesn't, it doesn't exceed the role of botany and biology, basic biology. And yet all I gotta do is, all I have to do is I, I get some, name it, name the product, it doesn't matter, or, or somebody's weird interpretation, like you're gonna, you're gonna make calcium a liquid? That's gonna be quite a trick since it's a metal, but anyway. Otherwise, your teeth would be rattling around in your mouth, be chewing them up like uh, gumballs. Not to mention your skeletal system. Well, no, that's different calcium, man. This is like calcium in the plants. Well, no, listen, Cupcake, it's the same. Calcium is calcium. Capital C, lowercase a. That's calcium. Now tell me how you turn that into a liquid or some of the other crazy shit, you know. Or how adding sulfur, uh, you know, you get the drill. Every 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 six months, the 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 cures get reinvented with new names, and you know, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna use uh, potassium hydroxide to chelate a water soluble element like uh, sulfur. You know, just you just grab shit off of somebody's uh, blog or their YouTube not YouTube, but uh, Instagram account, and all of a sudden you got a new something to whine about for a couple of days. If you really want to get misinformation, subscribe to a couple of people on uh, Instagram. It's a, it's a, I mean, I used to do funny stuff like using Photoshop. I made a picture of a punch ball with a turd in it. And I said, this is it. I'm going to have the CUDA award on the new, uh, Regiment of the week, it would be turd in a punch bowl. And so your name will, it will uh, have a, a wall where we'll put your name in your picture. Um, this is a classic example. I showed a picture to uh, Tad Hussey of Bob Marley holding a pound of lamb's bread that was on the first edition of High Times back in 76, 75, whatever it was. And he says to me, Wow, that that weed then sure looks a lot different today. And I said, yeah, there's more truth to that than you realize. You guys are going for eye candy. You're looking for the bag appeal. So it looks good on the poster, on the ad. You don't give a crap whether it's any good or not. Does it have a psychoactive effect? Do they help you, you know, spiritually, mentally? No, that has nothing to do. As long as it looks good. That's, that's the only goal that I see. I never hear anybody talking about quality. Their quality is, well, I got these terps. Yeah, and <laughs> what'd you do with them? <laughs> well, I tried smoking them. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Good for you, Cupcake. Um, I think it's demanding the highest price right now. If you can get 24% plus on, on cannabinoids and 3% plus on terps, 
that's the best price right now in Oklahoma, at least. I just want to be terpy, that's all. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, Cascadian, are you, are you going to be down in Portland anytime soon? I can be. Okay. Well, I got to get home and see how my garden's doing, but I should have uh, cuts this week. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm really, like, I'm really chicken shit. I when it got hot, I just went. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. I, I'm not. Yeah, the plants die. The plants die. You know, fuck. What am I gonna do? Stay here and die too with it. You know, I got a 80 pound bulldog that can't breathe because it's too hot. So, go to the coast. <laughs> that's the other thing. When when this thing got legal here, you'd go to these farms and they were, you know, legal. I mean, by that, I mean all the rules about security, the cameras and the, the concertina wire. And you, you walked into these concrete buildings, just you know, like you were going to state prison. This doesn't look like much fun. I mean, growing up, right. we, was. On that know, note, can we just talk about how I, like, I, I, you know, they're super cool to hang out with because I've hung out with them in person. I actually personally know one of their sound people down in Jamaica, but it is kind of weird that Bob Marley's kids buying a prison turn into a wheat grow just on principle, right? Like it's at least a little bit. It's wonderful. Strange. You have to listen to a song from one of the most uh, famous I albums. I don't mean that to put them down. It's just weird. No, um, I think where the inspiration for that came from, there's a song by a group called Culture that uh, produced one of the uh, enduring reggae root reggae's uh albums of all time called uh when the two sevens clash and it had to do with a prediction by marcus garvey that on july the 7th 1977 two seven clash and so anyway there's a song in there about a part of the line in that song about that when uh, marcus garvey left this prison that it would never be used as a prison again and it wasn't and that's the prison that the uh, Marley kids, uh, Stephen Marley, I think, was involved in that. Uh, so, um, so if you ever, if anyone's ever in Jamaica and gets to Kingston, Marcus, there's a, a place called the Marcus Garvey House. Right. Directly behind the Marcus Garvey House is literally the single best place on the entire planet. And you're talking to someone that has been on most of the continents now the single best place on all of planet earth for soup is directly behind the marcus garvey house you ask for the pumpkin soup and they will give you a soup that will literally give you an orgasm every single bite it is that fucking good have you had that coffee grown in jamaica it's like the the world, the most expensive. Hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. I got a good one that I just got from the homeboy from Jamaica. Uh -huh. I just got that. Where is it? Hold on. Where is it? Yeah, in the morning is going to tell us. We're like, oh yeah. I grind it up and then I feed it to my dog who then. Like a real I will say this, that for as far as psychoactive, the strongest weed that I've ever experienced was from Jamaica in terms of like really deep, um, almost mystical experience. Um, 
Steve can probably tell you better than uh, I only had it two or three times. Um, I think I'll take the lull here to bow out, guys. I'm going to go sit and chat and harass people. Shout out, shout out to Jordan Rivers and the uh, uh, Growcast podcast and the Poppy. There you go. Kind of funny how it fucks with the background based on this reflection, but it works. Um, if you guys don't know, Jordan Rivers from the Growcast also has an incredibly amazing coffee company called the uh, Purity Coffee Company, Purity Organic Coffee Company. They make really fucking bomb-ass coffee, and it's uh, from Blue Mountain, Jamaica. So you can, and it's uh, ethically grown from awesome farmers down there that he's, you know, regularly meets every couple months. Steve, you know what you need, Steve? A coffee burr. Not a grinder, but a burr. What's it's a that? different. It's a type of grinder, grinder. And, and it grinds the pieces consistent, the coffee bean, so that when you uh, hit it with the hot water, um, you get a better uh, release of the flavors and what have you. It's a coffee burr, B U R R, and um, bring cash. Uh, this is not your twenty dollars. These in Zoom, they're like more of the British style, hey? These are yeah, these are like a buck and a half. They're not like your twenty dollar Mister Coffee, you know, the one that makes the really loud airplane noise when you put the beans in there and hit start. Yeah, that's the one for grinders. The best one is the Capresso, I think it's called. That's the one I bought. Yeah. It doesn't chop the, the weeds, it doesn't heat it up or have irregular grinds. It basically mashes two plates against each other. Right. And that's actually, the, for the uh, price, a very good value compared to other ones that cost more and aren't as efficient as the, the one that you you're talking about. You can see that there's much larger chunks here on the right side with the blade. Right. The more even size of the burr. And like, uh, excuse me, like Fume was saying, it doesn't heat up the beans uh, the way that it grinds. There's no uh, thermal impact on the on the, in that process. So that when you put it, I use a French press because it's the path of least resistance. Uh, and I think it gives you a more true coffee flavor, but it's also really low tech, so. Australian is saying coffee grinders are not for coffee. Dude, that's nerdy. That intrigues me because I actually chop my weed, you know? So I'm like, oh, what do you do? You use like a hammer? That's probably just a, it's a trap. You have to grind it somehow to just like expose the, the grind. Okay, this is bragging a bit, but the grinders, the standard one, you know, where you have the two pieces and they got the prongs and you put it in there and twist it back and forth on the to correctly grown you have to clean it every day because as soon as you use it the thing sticks and you can't turn it anymore um now i'm sure there's probably a, a regimen i could use that would cut down on that resin development <laughs> but anyway like i do then whenever they get gummed up you just 
pull the the hash yeah. off and roll it up and put it in a joint. Yeah. Yeah. In, in India, you could buy up in uh, as you left uh, Benares and or Benares, excuse me, and went up into uh, the Kush Valley. You'd see the sod who's on the side of the road doing hand rolled balls of uh, hash for the Europeans and American uh, hippies because uh -huh. they. They, they knew that they could get a big dollar, whereas the locals weren't going to pay you that kind of money. And but Americans like me were going, that's all five dollars, you know, and for them, it was like prices were like a dollar. But, you know, the Americans and the Europeans, you know, they wanted the good, the good stash. So that's why I cracked up when uh, when the Kush thing started. What do you think of this Kush? I think it missed the Kush Valley by about 6,000 miles is what I think. But, uh, and then I brought up the deal about the Kush warriors, the the black warriors and, uh, and all that. And I, I don't know. Things get names and then they take on legends. You know, like haze became a, another word for any sativa looking plant that was good. Um, I mean, some of the stuff I saw that was marked hash. Okay, a good, excuse me, Kush. A good one is uh, that lime warp. It's claimed by the people that bred it that one of it was Las Vegas purple Kush. Trust me. That thing missed both Las Vegas and purple by about 10 exits off the freeway. All right. There was no, there's no way that thing had purple anything. Hell, I've looked up the my strains in Leafy. And I keep asking, who wrote this? You know? So all I'm saying is put, you know, kind of weigh, use a little bit of uh, judgment when you look at look up one of these things okay here's a good one in 1977 that was the first signs of sensimia it was the first time that a green cannabis product was available and it had red hairs so it was called red hair we weren't we were simple people then Okay, and they grew this stuff in one place in California, Southern California, North San Diego County called Fallbrook. It was called Fall, Fallbrook, Fallbrook Red Hair. Okay. That was 77, 78. They only did it two years because the idiots brought, broadcast too much that they were growing it in Fallbrook. Not too smart, right? If you're going to try to run a a secret grow probably saying where you grew it wasn't the smartest thing to do fair enough so about 12 years later some seeds were obtained from uh neville that had red in it some kind of red whatever so then it would be calling the fallbrook red Okay, well, that's a long way from, because I know who sold the seeds to the guys in Fallbrook. And I tr trust me, it wasn't Neville. All right, Neville wouldn't, wasn't going to be around for another 10, 11 years. We know that because we know when his book was, his catalog was published, right? 
So it didn't happen in the 70s. Nobody was even naming shit yet. So now the, the myth is that we've kept this alive. No, you haven't. You just have a, a red strain that somebody in Fallbrook has it, so you're calling it Fallbrook Red. Doesn't have anything to do with Fallbrook Red hair. Get your own, get your own strains, you know, do something. <laughs> get off your ass. I, feel, I kind of feel like that about that bullshit ass regen conference. Like, really? Get the fuck up out of here. Didn't they have like gotten volunteers? I mean, how hard could it possibly be to get some like cannabis nerds to come do right. like yeah, I'll talk to your stupid fucking conference for free. You're gonna have you're gonna have a two-day conference that you call regenerative, and you're gonna have one one cultivator. Huh? Was it a cultivator or was it like an honorary cultivator? No, no, no. In his oh, defense, he, he can grow how, shit. How many cultivators do you think there is at a Canacon? I have to look at the speaker list. Oh, I can help you out. None. Well, usually you can count them on both hands. Sometimes both hands and toes. Oh, yeah, okay. It depends what you call growing. I mean, some of the people that... People that have are, managed more than 10,000 square feet. No, I'm not even talking that. I'm talking quality. Let's do that first, and then we can get into quantity. Um, I sent Fume to a website of somebody who is held in high regard, the highest regard in the land. I said, so what do you think of the pictures? He was shocked. And I was laughing thinking, you shouldn't be. I mean, these guys that are writing these books and, and now the, the thing is, you don't have to write a book now. You just say, well, I'm a, a consultant. What does that mean? Well, okay, so in their defense, because I've run into this a little bit as a consultant, people don't always follow your fucking advice. I've literally sent people like order forms with the exact order numbers and item numbers for shit, and they still fuck it up. Oh, How yeah. I don't know, but they do it on a regular basis, and yep. it's only the weed people. I can do it with a lettuce grower; nothing's wrong. I can order ten thousand items, and a single one is off. Cannabis grower, thirty percent of it's wrong. Yeah, I, I. I just I don't get it. The other thing is it's frustrating. So anyone that, that does agricultural seminars and stuff. So if you ever plan an agricultural seminar for cannabis, people will sign up and then just walk up and try to pay cash, regardless of what it is that you tell people ahead of time. That will be at least 25% of the people that try to attend your event, regardless of what it is you try, do, or say it otherwise. Just you cannot fight that. Just get over it. Um, uh, it's just kind of a weird thing. Also, um, with other, so we, at the aquaponics source, when I used to work there, we used to teach about six to eight different classes per year, uh, in terms of different types of content and, um, the vegetable ones, anything with aquaponics, people would generally sign up 30 to 45 days ahead of time or more cannabis people. Nope at least 50% would sign up week of maybe 15 to 20% would sign up before that. 
and then you get a bunch of walk-ins. So there's just some aspects of it that always just were comedic to me. And that was always one of the things that just always just made me laugh because I had a direct comparison to other agricultural classes that we were also teaching and it just stood out so fucking bad. It just always made me laugh. I've only been to, to one's local. Uh, one was put on by uh, Indo Expo. Yeah, that was hysterical. Um, it was their first one. So I give them, you know, kudos because they came back a second time. And they're on a pretty tight ship these days. I don't, yeah, I just, um, I usually just scan the list of speakers and I've read their stuff online over more than a decade. And I'm not going to travel to Buckeye, Indiana to spend a weekend to listen to, you know, Cheech and Chong do a kind of a, a you know, ad hoc uh, dissertation on growing weed. I think a lot of times the people are invited because it draws, you know, and that's what you do when you put on something. You got to get a draw to get people to buy tickets. I get that, but you know, sometimes can you make it not you, I'm using the, you know, ubiquitous you. Um, I mean, you get the same speakers every time. That's pretty telling. That's pretty sad. If every time I look at uh, whatever, and it's a Bob Martin made up name, or Tommy Lohung. I only need to see that one time, I can look at their blog and okay, that was cool. Let's do something else. Let's get fume up there and say something, you know, and talk about it, something or anybody except for uh, the sawed off little uh, clown. I mean, yeah, the other night on your show, I got to tell you, man, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, uh, not you, but with the, uh, no, he's really a good guy. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. You know, I'm talking about uh, Dutch talking about uh, Scotty Boy. Oh no, he yeah. he 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 doesn't like him any more than we do. And, and oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm other well, I'm not going to out anybody, but there's other people in the industry that think he's equally as moronic. But you know, just some of his bullshit about IMO. Why is it that you know? You know what I think his IMO data, why it is that he didn't come up with results? Because he doesn't know how to fucking do it. He didn't put any effort into trying to do no, it right. He never had. That's it. why it didn't work. Why is it that other aquaponic, or not aquaponic, I'm sorry. Why is it that other living soil practitioners are, are treating multiple acres of food crops and vegetable crops of viral diseases with IMO treatments? while he's struggling to achieve success with it. It sounds to me like he just doesn't know how to fucking do anything right. Well, but I can- I mean, It's a pretty basic concept too. Like we, we've used a combination of, of labs and IMO, both in Jamaica and in Africa when I was there to treat uh, a bunch of different diseases in, in banana trees, uh, mainly fusarium. But um, that was the, you know something that was devastating to them that now they know how to treat, at least in the area that I was at. So, and I'm hoping that they'll treat, you know, teach other people down there, but um, that's something that is very easily treatable. There's a lot of diseases that have, you know, been taught as, you know, once they're systemic, the plant's fucked. 
that they can easily treat with I, with KNF inputs for banana production, right? And we're talking about, you know, how many other uh, tree production nuts and fruits and other things can be quickly treated easily and, and proficiently with, with these types of treatments that, you know, prevent these farmers from having these type of multi-year delays in crops. Like this is, you know, game changing for these guys, right? Like, Imagine if they didn't have an older age, you know, look at what Chris Trump did, right? Where he had an older academia nut farm and the trees weren't producing anymore and it had more to do with nutrient imbalance and microbial imbalance than it did with, with anything else. So as soon as he fixed the microbes, the, the nutrients got back in balance and now those trees are producing more than they ever did, even though they're old, right? So this is the type of stuff that we need to, to help fix, you know, the broader spectrum of what's going on in agriculture. This is the type of information that we need to get out there to as many people as possible and make sure that, you know, this is the type of information that will fix things, right? Like not all of the garbage and people trying to invent all kind of, you know, robots and other bullshit, like sure, that all play, play a factor. But at the end of the day, you know, remember 50% of the world gets this income from farming every day. Right. Growing food and what happens to them if we replace them with robots? Where are they supposed to get income from? Well, that's that's a uh, bigger problem. That, no, that's you're right, and that's a large, huge social problem or challenge for the future because um, even in this pandemic, some people—I don't know about—we use the word a lot, but there are a number of people that lost their jobs to robots, and. So we're already seeing the, 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 the signs. And, and as we move towards a more techno, technological-based uh, society, more and more jobs are going to be replaced by robotics. So what are you going to do with these masses of people? I mean, I don't know. Do we? Well, whatever. But uh, that's beyond my... I can barely grasp the issue, much less, you know, uh, conjugate some answers or, you know, solutions. But um, yeah, it's, look, and back to your source, I mean, the majority of the world, the biggest challenge they have each day is getting enough wood to cook some, some grains. That's, you know, we're, we, you know, you and I are talking about first world problems you know better than the majority of people, including me, what it's like in the real third world. And the stuff yeah. that we consider problems about, oh, whatever, you know, you get the idea. It's hard for me to take some of this crap seriously when people are dying just trying to get feed their children. That's where I see things like Korean natural farming and, and some of the other like ultra basic farming methods that people are kind of perfecting with cannabis and all the financial benefits that we have with testing and being able to kind of quantify and refine all that stuff. And then reapplying that to, you know, extremely low cost agriculture. Um, same thing with KNF. I, I think that really is kind of the bridge. You have a lot of these people that are, um, you know, forced to, um, uh, buy from uh, Syngenta. You know, if you go to Harare in, in Zimbabwe, it's only Syngenta flags there. They, they control 95% of the nutrient. Mm -hmm. market, mm -hmm. Right? How are you going to compete with 95%? You're not. And, and, and my own situation, 
um, I don't hold out any hope that the problems that have been created in this part of the world, Oregon and Washington, in the last five years is going to be reversed. I think it'll collapse in on itself before it gets better. Because when it was black market here, Oregon had a reputation of growing some of the best cannabis in North America and Washington. There was just a mindset, uh, a chill, as you, the phrase you used, that went on for decades and decades and decades and decades. And so this new group of investors has swept in with international money. It wasn't limited to the Canadians or even the Asians, but there was European banks, South American banks, there were uh, leverage firms. I mean, the whole nine yards got involved in this. They threw money like you wouldn't believe. And the writing was on the wall within the first three or four months that this thing was careening out of control. And it did. It crashed. And what do investors do? They go on to another investment. Here you go. Didn't work out. I'm going to go do make widgets. I mean, that's, that's the real world. You don't get a second chance. You don't get, well, next crop, we'll, we'll do better, man. And all of a sudden, you, these people end up that were, that were hired and to run these things are now consultants. Consulting what? You couldn't do it. Yeah, but you have to remember there's people like the you know, new customer that I picked up recently where their head grower had never grown a plant before six months ago. You know, a lot of people would not believe you, but those of us who've actually been so, on so this actually is to been run, on farms okay, know that on. it's true. No, it's true. This is, this is to run a four-acre cannabis farm and nursery. Yeah. Right. Only thirty-five hundred plants for four acres, dude. I'm doing twenty hundred plants per acre. What are you doing? Anyways, just saying. I know. I don't mean to put down the guy is doing his best he can. The guy has put a lot of time and effort into teaching himself. Like the guy was kind of thrown into a shit show. He, I know. He was, and he works, you know, 14 to 18 hour days. The guy, the guy gets the work ethic, right? I, I cannot knock the guy, but he's just, he doesn't have the experience. Right. So it's just, but he's who easy would to put, work with and he's easy to train, but it's like, yeah, but you know, this is the type of stuff that's that? common. Would... It's super common in new markets. And that's my point is that you got to put at least one person in charge that has done this before. And if you can't at least get someone that's done at least large scale farming, man, right. like, a, you know, someone that's not a paper pusher. I, I did some more research after I was on your program with uh, uh, Mr. Trump about because uh, I didn't I know nothing about the specifics on KNF, but I did want to interject this that not what other people have done with the so-called coots mix, but what the real deal was is that it is a completely microbial controlled development of the growing medium. And I'm using worms and related and vermiculture technologies. I don't see too much difference. I mean, yeah, the, the okay, the end goal is the same, but maybe the route there is a little bit different. But I don't see too much difference with what uh, vermiculture can do that 
KNF does. See what I'm saying is you're still back to the taking, making those uh, elements, in the case of elements, bioavailable. I don't see hear any of those conversations out of the mainstream cannabis newt dynamic. All I hear is about, you know, faster, bigger, better. I remember going to a, a gross store. I mean, not a gross store, but a, one of these convention thingies. And all the pre, uh, guys, you know, running the booths with, you know, the sales stalls and whatever, they all had these microphones on. They looked like the, the guy taking your order at Burger King. And did you want fries with that order? Um, and as you walk up and down the aisles, it's all you hear are words like bigger, faster, better. I mean, it was like, you know, one of those home shopping network at three in the morning, except they got this pattern down, this, this wrap. And it's like they go to a school just to learn uh, this jibber jabber. We have microbes. Well, yeah, microbes are everywhere. Which ones? Uh, well, uh, they're like cannabis related. Oh, okay. You, I mean, having a, a, an intelligent conversation is impossible. I used, to, I used to read their stuff online before they got to be, you know, head speaker at the the next powwow. And uh, I still can't wrap my brain around going to Oklahoma to grow weed, though. That I will never, that one, it completely escapes me. What, so I'll be honest with you, it's much more socially liberal than I was expecting, for sure. No, I just meant general, because I mean, my whole life was, State, you know, certain states you stayed out of. You didn't want if you didn't want to go to prison, if you were in in the trade. So there's a lot of places to sell weed, and Oklahoma wasn't one of them. Is that's all I meant? You know, I mean, imagine doing 25 years in Tulsa. You know, for five pounds in the back of my car. I don't know things. So I know things change, but that's all right. I'll check it on the next incarnation. I don't need to go to Mississippi either. The one I'm looking forward to, though, is like these guys. Funny, like I, I was speaking in Jacksonville later in the year. Oh god! <laughs> but I, I can't wait till the New Jersey thing. Can you imagine some of the made guys dealing with these clowns with you know in their? Uh... I think people are going to get injured. Oh, I do too. I mean. <laughs> Growing up in Philadelphia. I think people are going to be held accountable for their bullshit. I mean, you mean my water's yeah. fucked up? Yeah. Santino and uh, Carmine, come have a chat with you about your new program. Yep, you, said we, you said we're going to get 10 pounds of light and we only got eight. Oh, yeah, fucking, this got to be fun. Fucking Jersey Devil, man, flew over the fence, beat the shit out of him. We watched it. Oh, yeah, fuck. And then, uh, and then I guess Alabama. I I would know that I had died and gone to hell if I woke up in Birmingham at a, a pot farm. Okay, that would be like the worst thing that could possibly happen to a human being. Would be to wake up and find yourself in Arkansas. Excuse me, uh, Alabama, working on a cannabis farm. 95% humidity, 100 degrees. Uh, 
I just want to grow some. Really I just want to grow my... dark. I remember reading those stories. I mean, I guess we fuck we saw roots or whatever, but I mean, whatever. We we read mostly in high school, and and I, I read Mark Twain and shit. Like just visualizing how fucking hard it was to be a slave in the South. Yeah, and we forget that we forget it was 115 degrees, or whatever. Like. But it was fairly dry now that I think about it. And no one was whipping me to harvest the fucking field of goddamn corn or not corn uh, cotton, which is apparently one of the shittiest things to harvest. Like, uh, Jesus, what a shitty fucking life. Still is. I mean, if you if you want to see if you want to see poverty, look at the numbers in some of those southern states. And what poverty means. And why are they bringing cannabis in well because it's easy money everybody this is what cracks me up for the last 50 years no one's ever had any problems getting rid of weed unless it was bad weed but yet now it's claimed in oregon or at least in past years well they're allowing too much production we, we need to cut it back. I can't sell all my stuff. I mean, break my heart. I mean, look, all of us have been in the cannabis business. You get a load that, okay, say you took a thousand pounds, 800 was sellable and 200, eh, not so much. Well, you know, uh, welcome to the real world. It's not all this carbon copy bullshit that if you use my juice, you're going to end up with this. You're guaranteed. But, oh, did you use the right light bulb? Uh, it, did you have the fan cocked at the right you know, angle? I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. So. I don't think the people that are doing this were, were ready either in agriculture, in business, or on any level. It's just they ended up with a job. How could you have so many bad grows? Look, let's How be honest. How many restaurants are there, Coot? We were talking about restaurants. How many bad anything? Insert XYZ. It's a new industry, too. So it's almost surprising there are any good ones on some level, you know? No, that makes sense. Bad carpenters are there. I mean, shit, I've gotten fucked over by carpenter carpenters a few times. I haven't yeah. even hired, hired that many carpenters that I've already, even doing the Angie's List thing and everything else, still got fucked over a couple of times. Yeah. There's a ton of shit carpenters. There's a ton of shitty auto mechanics. Like, uh, how many auto stories in my own life could I tell you about shitty auto mechanics? Probably the good ones are fewer than the shitty stories. You know, so I think to myself, like, actually, it's not surprising there's a ton of shitty grows. It's going to be interesting to see as legalization or whatever we're going to call this thing, decriminalization, really, as it moves across the country, how many states are going to allow their citizens to grow their own medicine? Four plants, whatever the deal is. And maybe I'm being optimistic. But I think that those states which do and are going to allow small, whatever that amount is, okay, that's what's going to straighten out the the uh, commercial stuff. 
because they'll have competition. If I can grow better weed than I can buy, why would I buy it? All of us here have grown. All of us knows that this is not a big deal. All of us know that there's a lot of bullshit out there about what we're supposed to be, have to be in order to do it. But at the end of the day, all of us here have done it enough to know talk's cheap. Talk is cheap. And I think that there's something to be said for growing your own, connected to just like growing your own food. There's something about growing. The other day I was in, uh, you know, the market, uh, New Seasons. Okay, we're talking heirloom tomatoes. You ready for this? $5.99 a pound. I believe it. You know what's crazier, Coot? I have paid $5.99 a pound for those goddamn tomatoes. Oh, I bought them too. They were wonderful. They're Put wonderful. them on pizza. Right. You know. I'm just That's saying, though, that the more people that we can get growing cannabis, I think will be better for the plant. Mm -hmm. I don't think that expanding legalization to uh, nincompoops that couldn't find their asshole with a search warrant, a SWAT team, have any business in this trade. They've, in my opinion, in the last five years, they've run this thing into the ground. And this year is going to be with the weather and the fires. This is going to be more of a disaster than 2016. My opinion. I mean, you know On some level, I don't begrudge anybody their failures. You know, like if the big entities come in and they basically don't do a good job and they vanish, you know, they had it coming to them. I just don't want them to drag down all the good producers too. You know, like any potential craft producers that could have gotten financing that didn't because some shithead did and then they just fall apart. I don't really want to see that happen. But like um, on some level, I'm happy to see some of these fuckers come in and try things and then fail. Like we heard, uh, oh, I, can, I can never think of names. Um, well, whatever. There's been some entities that talked really, like you say, cheaply uh, and have disappeared in the meantime mm -hmm. i remember i remember going to a meeting of an organization i won't even doesn't matter that no longer exists and there were representatives from i think 30 like what's the tier one i don't know the four hundred thousand square foot license what's that called is that the tier two whatever that license the big one and there were 30 there. And I was asking like logical questions like, well, because most of these were uh, what they were calling light assisted uh, grows, you know, the greenhouses. And so, as you know, this is a big horticulture state. You have a lot of people here who have a lot of experience growing plants in and around greenhouses. Wouldn't you hire them? If you were going to set up something or would you just hire your buddies that you used to work with at ABC grocery stores? So, I mean, from the beginning, the whole thing was just set up goofy. I mean, here you have this, this, this highly trained, highly experienced group of people, years and years experience moving plants. 
and they couldn't get jobs. I think because they were Hispanic. Because all I ever saw in any of these places were lily white young people with stars in their eyes and, you know, oh good, I'm get to I'm gonna get paid to trim. Oh, okay, that sounds good. That's why I don't read. There was a, a, a great like the first two or three years or you have that like willing slave labor it just makes the industry kind of shit and until they all burn out and prices can come up on what those people deserve to get paid everything kind of is fucked i mean i've seen this over and over again those different states have legalized it. it's a it's a common trend There's a and, count, and and you know better than i do steve but if you were going to make a guess what percentage of people out there that are registered licensed growers are people of color hmm. there's none in oregon there's well if you're counting hispanic people as well there this is a decent amount that i can think of off the top of my head i can think of at least five as owners as owners yes okay that's great you sure didn't have it here I can't say that they're prominent in the industry, but they're definitely represented. Good. That's good. Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that here, that it, it, even uh, brown or black people existed. I can think of two or three in Tulsa, two of them down by where we are, that are Hispanic or, or African-American, and at least one in Oklahoma City, just off, you know, not even mm -hmm. putting up my thought to it. I'm sure there's more that I'm not thinking of that we sell to for our edibles. There's a lot of um, women-owned uh, facilities in Oklahoma. You know, even if they're you know not as diversified, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot more women involvement. Uh, I think on the uh, the high end uh, in Oklahoma than I've seen in other states. Ironically, I timed this joint so poorly that it'll go out before this next 420. All right, I got to get going because I got to head back to head back to Portland tomorrow. So it's been a pleasure. Uh, frankly, it was basically you and Potent, but I think the audience loved it. It was uh, tons of fun. We always have a good time when him and I a get few going. people got maybe a new butthole reaming, but uh, they may have deserved it, possibly. Hey, I, I feel like they got dunked on thoroughly. It's all right. I feel like you guys even held back, to be honest. We did. Like, I mean, honestly, this, the shit that I heard them say, oh, my fucking Lord. Yo, right so I didn't God. even, for those of you that, I didn't even tune into the second one. I had people tell me about it, and then I was like, Really? This idiot's still talking about me after I, I wasn't even present and this fucking moron's still going. All right. Well, I didn't even I guess know about that one. So I missed did I miss the second one too? Which one was the one that he was saying, like, oh, it's oh he has to be right with his God. And you were in the chat. The first one's the one where I heckled it. Well, I didn't okay, heckle. So there was another the one after that. One where I corrected him. Let's just get it right. I mean, that's, I don't know, dude, that's a, that's a level of pathetic that I think is a little bit different. Well, my, my whole thing is if you're going to invite, first off, he's being invited onto a third party channel as a guest. 
and then he's going to take part of the time that he's been dedicated to promote his own bullshit and he's going to talk about me thanks dude thanks for the 300 and you know 22 uh viewers that i've gotten above average in the last two weeks so thank you for the subscribers uh, I appreciate your uh, your effort in helping my channel. And uh, if you'd like to keep going, I'm happy to uh, keep going as well. Um, I frankly don't give a shit about you enough to even come on to a uh, future cannabis project and retort you. Um, eventually, once I get moved, uh, I will want to have my microscopes and stuff all unpacked out of storage because I'm in the middle of moving. Um, you go on there, you want to go on there as yourself. You want to hear about your shit. It demonstrate exactly why he's wrong in brutal detail with live microscope data. I just need to get to that point. Uh, I'm supposed to, was originally supposed to move on the 9th uh, of, of July. Um, now we had an issue with the roof of the new house. So we, we got to figure that part out. So it might be delayed by a couple of weeks, but once I get moved and all my microscopes are out of storage, um, I will happily, you know, nail him to the wall with his own fucking stupid data. I mean, shit, if there's such a thing as a kill shot for somebody who never really admits anything, then go for it. But I get the vibe that he's one of those people that you kind of can never really nail. To I don't the wall care. I mean, I'm just going to go on and talk about how sure. to properly do aquatic IMO because there's a certain other stupid person that thinks he knows how to do that while he's telling people how to introduce um, root aphids to their systems. Uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, also correct some of the other stupid shit, but all, not even that, but like, there's a lot of just misconceptions on, on anaerobic mineralization, frankly, that needs to be corrected and just put out here, here's how to do it. The same way we do with the nutrients tonight. Uh, and then same thing with aquatic IMO, you know, teach people how to do it right. And then um, super, uh, super labs, right? So talking about some of the advanced lactobacillus, the advanced CANF techniques that myself and some of the other people have been perfecting over the last couple of years. Uh, that we've kind of been keeping under wraps until we were, you know, a thousand percent sure that we could replicate it no matter what you people do uh, to try and change uh, the formulation um, uh, and make sure that everything works out right. So we'll, we'll talk about that and, and help put that out also out into the, the open source realm. You know, I, I'm super with Chris on the, uh, you know, KNF stuff. We do need to keep some things under wraps for a little while so we can research it and make sure it's right before we tell you that it does something. Um, but after that, I think we're, we're trying to both push stuff, at least in that realm, out into public knowledge. I'm currently working with another gentleman on a, a natural farming and aquatics book. Uh, it's going to be mainly focused on aquaponics and aquaculture. Um, we also have some other cool people that are helping contribute to the book that are, you know, professors, experts, and biologists that are helping contribute to the content of that book. So we'll be having that out uh, at the end of this year, beginning of next year. That, There'll be more information coming on that later. Um, I don't even, I don't, I know I'm allowed to talk about about it that much, but I can't talk about anything beyond that. But um, it's not Chris Trump. Uh, if you ask me, uh, he is not currently involved in the project. So it's a bunch of other cool researchers that have been kind of focused on the similar research that I've been working on. In fact, one of the guys uh, that we've been working with recently um, uh, was talking about using banana trunks and, um, uh, and that with an IMO ferment for increasing potassium, basically to make like a WSK, but with IMO and, and banana trees uh, uh, in terms of the, just the main trunk stocks uh, uh, fermented with I liquid IMO. So um, there's a lot of different advanced techniques that I think just haven't been fully fleshed out yet and a lot of different combinations and ways to try and, you know, configure that puzzle that can be even more um, 
beneficial to plant growth and even the stuff that has currently been unlocked. So I think that, you know, I kind of look forward. It's one of the things that I think is super cool about the cannabis community. We all want to innovate on stuff, right? Like we're constantly thinking about like, how can this work for this other thing, right? Like, or how can I like bend this in this way? Or how can I add this to this, right? Like, that's one of the things that we're, we're super good at as a community, right? So uh, that's one of the things where I'd love to see us, again, kind of crowdsource the Korean natural farming uh, research uh, with a lot of these different plants and inputs and, and kind of move us all ahead together uh, rather than trying to do them individually. Well said. Also, who we missed for 20. Someone, uh, someone in chat asked, when is the SA farmer on? Uh, this Thursday, we have a, a farmer from South Africa who's a commercially licensed uh, cannabis farmer in South Africa who does both regenerative soil farming as well as aquaponic cannabis uh, production in South Africa. So he's going to be joining us. He's doing a bunch of filming. Uh, he did yesterday and today, uh, his time. And then we'll be speaking tomorrow. Uh, well, anyway, tomorrow, his time, uh, uh, today, our time uh, with him on it, about his farm from uh, with kind of a film walkthrough where he's going to guide us around it. And then uh, once the sun comes up, he'll walk us around and around the farm as well. So it'll be a super cool episode uh, right around dawn, his time. So uh, and again, if you're trying to learn more about how cannabis is growing in other parts of the world, it'll certainly be a, a really nifty episode to check out. So um, and uh, everyone on the panel here will certainly be welcome. A uh, few me and Coot, you're, you're both welcome tomorrow as well. I think both of you guys now are uh, almost panelists on the show uh, just about uh, at this point. So uh, very much appreciate having you guys on and what you guys contribute to the show. And, um, you know, again, it just, it's kind of cool. It's one of the things. He's also going to be a speaker at the Aquap virtual aquaponic cannabis conference in November, the second weekend of November. But we're trying to get as many different commercial aquaponic cannabis producers from around the world. We have someone from Bangladesh. We have someone from South Africa. We have someone from a different part of Africa. We have people from Europe. We have people from uh, Canada. We have people from the Caribbean. We have people from the United States. So uh, we're really trying to give you guys a bunch of different um, perspectives on the technology because they all have different limitations, which means they're all finding solutions to different things that are you know, uniquely beneficial to all of us. And we can learn so much. So we're trying to get a really big diversity on top of bringing in some unique scientists. We're gonna be talking with Nigel Palmer, who is a unique uh, kind of KNF researcher who's in a completely different direction than Chris and a lot of the more traditional people and a lot of the cannabis people, I've never heard of him before. So that's going to be a super cool speaker. Um, we have a couple of other cool people that done a lot of work around microbial research in aquatics. Um, uh, Kevin McKernan is going to be giving a specific um, talk on the microbial microbiome uh, of cannabis uh, and the root biome based on the genomics that they've found uh, through root uh, tissue samples. So that's going to be another super cool talk and, and a bunch of other cool things that we have lined up. Uh, we haven't done the formal initial uh, announcements yet, but that's just a little bit of a kind of a trailer teaser to some of the cool talks. Coot is also speaking there. Chris is talking. I'm talking. Um, a bunch of other cool and highly knowledgeable people will be speaking on natural farming and uh, aquaponics and aquatics. So uh, definitely something else to check out if you're looking to learn more about uh, natural farming, mineralization, how to improve, um, you know, natural inputs to to your local soil farm or aquatics farm, and much more. Uh, you know, we really try to put on uh, 
kind of the information that I wish we had in the in the community. And I feel like we do a pretty good job of educating the rest of you guys along the way. Uh, and a lot of you guys appreciate it. So uh, thanks so much for everyone that's helped show the love. And then very much appreciate having Fumi and, and Kud on the show as well, uh, uh, providing their input. So thanks a lot. Susan. Thanks for coming on the show too. All right, man. Have a good one, you guys. Have a good night, bud. Stay cool. Well, you can't, Steve. You're in Oklahoma, but it's hot. You know, there. it's funny. Uh, it's been literally 20 degrees cooler than Fumi in the last two days. Here. <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. Cheers, good. Hey. Are you still with us, or are you uh, camping out, <clears throat> learning about uh, soil science and doing uh, random stuff? Ozzy might be here for moral support. Going twice, once, going twice. He's upside down, so takes longer. Might be hanging like a bat. Well, we're going to go with uh, Ozzy's asleep. Uh, cheers, Purple Thumb. Have a good day. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for hanging. Thanks for uh, watching this show. Thanks for, you know, it's kind of an odd show. I went from uh, talking about bottled nutrients to, uh, I don't know, debunking myths or something. I don't know. Hopefully that actually made some logical sense because, uh, uh, well, I don't know. Let's just call it a hope. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys would uh, would like to listen to this show in an audible format, uh, we do have a podcast. Uh, go check it out. I uploaded two podcasts already this week. Uh, the first one was uh, hilarious with uh, somebody whose name I completely forget right now. And then the next one was the show right after that was Bruises and Buds. You're going to have to be more specific by looking it up yourselves. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. Uh, uh, cheers, Bo. That's That's cool. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, thanks very much for hanging. I guess that leaves it, uh, my friends. Uh, we'll be around probably. Uh, shit, we were supposed to do bruising, or was it uh, weed and whiskey? Well, we didn't even talk about it, so I guess we're going to skip it this week. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll just say a uh, regular show tomorrow, so don't uh, rush out and buy whiskey. You can. You can totally go rush out and buy whiskey, but maybe if we do it, maybe we'll save it for the week after that so we can announce it ahead of time. Uh, so no pressure. Don't, don't feel like, oh, my God, I have to such and such. That was what I was thinking. So, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. No weed and whiskey Wednesday tomorrow. Uh, folks, until we meet again, uh, be kind, be decent, be gentle. Don't be a fucking prick. Uh, don't forget to puff something wonderful. I've been forgetting to tell you folks to uh, puff something wonderful lately. Please puff something wonderful. If you can't right now, for whatever reason, maybe you don't live in some place that you can puff something wonderful. Imagine it. Maybe one of these days it'll be true. You guys can hear us, listen to, you know, you can listen to us talk about freaking Morgana and Ruby Jack and freaking uh, Dog Walker and all this different shit. One of these days, you guys will get to experience some of those strains. It'll be a, a wonderful experience, I hope. Cheers, my friends. Until we meet again, adios. <laughs>
Shit I did tonight. 